Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Duran, I'm going to prepare an ambush. Oh, oh, but it's, it's Duran, folks. And then when the rant happens... Then remember Richard H. Perry, and you can find me, you know, just by going to the Internet and find out what I write, what I say. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. You want to be a friend, I'll be your friend. <laughs> but that's what you need to watch. Iran, it's Iran, Iran, Iran. Amen. And uh, don't you have some YouTube videos about Iran and what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got over 500 YouTube videos. I mean, some of them are good. Wait a minute, Richard. Wait, hold it. Yep. 500 YouTube videos? Really? I mean, they're like, some of them are as short as two minutes, three minutes. Some of them are as long as 10 minutes. You know, they're just little things that I put together. Some of them are Bible teachings about the Feast of Yahweh. Some of them are about the Sabbath. Some of them are about repentance. You know, a lot of them are about current events. You know, I've been watching, and you'll see that I've been watching Iran and, and telling, warning people that this Iran war is coming. I've been doing it since 2005. Right. Was that when you got it about Iran? Because I know you've been warning about Iran for a while. Was that yeah. it, 2005? That's, when, that's since when, the, when the Lord first showed me, you know, that that was going on. That, it was not until... I think it was like 2009 that he actually told me it was Iran. I mean, right. in the spirit, he told me it was Iran, showed me the scripture he referred to, which confirmed it. And uh, But I, you know, I've known it for years. I mean, you can go to my website, which I don't even update anymore, but it's still got a lot of good information. And it shows you stuff that, you know, is, is basically frozen since about... 2009, I think, I haven't updated my website. Most of my stuff now I update on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. I write books. Uh, But, you know, I've got plenty of information out there for anybody at any level that's interested in the time of the end or the return of the Messiah. And, boy, folks, we've never, ever been closer to the return of the Lord. Yet the churches have never, ever been talking about it less. In other words, the closer yeah. we get, the less they talk about it. Nobody is real, like just Dan was talking about a minute ago. Nobody's really writing prophecy books because nobody's interested, because pastors are not talking about it, they're not teaching about it, they're not preaching about it. Nobody is alerting people to what the Bible says about the time of the end. And we're in the time of the end, and we've been in it since 2001. <laughs> wake up! Now, I know I can't wake up anybody. Only God can wake them up. Yeah, and, uh, after the well, Iran War, you know, I, I I really do get what you mean because you know I, uh, you know I try to have different guests every week, and it's not you know always feasible to, to be, but that depends. It's usually Richard. I try to find somebody that's written a book about the time at the end. You know what I'm saying, or maybe about to be <laughs> something relevant to the time at the right. end. And there yeah. is. There is some out there, but there's a lot of. We're starting to see a lot of storybooks, not 
you know, a book about it, a commentary, but stories, you know, and I can point to a oh, couple yeah, little... a lot of a lot of novels, right? Yeah, there's even, a lot. Of even what was what was named uh, the Harbinger Cos book? You know, yeah. the Harbinger was a novel. It was a novel because that's what people like. Now, keep in mind, you know, Khan in the Harbinger identified 9/11 as the first Harbinger. He was right on the money, and you know, if you listen to him talk, he, he's he's correct. He's spiritually correct. God is trying to wake up his people. He's trying to alert his people that they need to repent. And if they don't, the next thing is coming, and it's going to be worse. And that's what I'm telling you is going to happen. But I, Khan doesn't see what I see in Scripture. Khan right, right. saw he saw the first harbinger. I see I see six harbingers before the return of Christ, and they're the right. the first six seals of Revelation. The first right. six seals of Revelation take you right through the time of the end. And, well, and then there's John Hagee's book, The Blood Red Moons. Talk about a bunch of nonsense. Oh, I haven't read I mean, that. I've I read Mark Blitch's well, don't, don't book. Even, on her. Don't even, yeah, don't bother with you know John Hagee's book. I mean, he's so far gone, it's unbelievable. I mean, he's talking <laughs> about Blood Red Moons as being a biblical kind of prognostication about what's going to happen. Well, the Bible never mentions blood red moons. It mentions a blood red moon, and right. that has to do with that immediately precedes is is immediately preceding the return of the Messiah. I mean, right? He's right. Just, Absolutely. He's double talking, he's selling a book, but he has no spiritual advice to give that is any of any value. Anyway, I don't need to rag on him, but. Uh, <laughs> People, you got to read your Bibles to know whether anybody is making any sense, and there aren't many people that are making sense today. Yeah, but I'll tell you, it's Iran. Iran, Iran, Iran. you got to watch out for Iran, because that's next. Oh, by the way, I'm not predicting the rapture date, but I will tell you this as a prediction, and it makes, it'll make me a false prophet or a true prophet. This Iran war will start during Obama's term. In other words, he will not leave office before the Iran war starts. I don't know if it's this year, next year, the year after, but I do know this. The Iran war is going to happen before Obama's out of office. And I can see it and show it to you. I can show it to you in prophecy by any of my books. Watch my YouTube videos. You'll see what I'm saying. You don't have to agree with it, but then go ask God what He says and see if He tells you. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to start winding this up. Um, Richard, you're coming back with me. You agreed to come back with me. That's uh, on Ross's show, September 25th, and uh, you know, maybe don't, don't you say, can t- don't say don't say Rosh Hashanah. Okay. What do you want me to say? You know, you know why? You know why you don't say Rosh Hashanah? It's a piece of Rosh Hashanah means, it means the head of the year. Well, that's not the head of Rosh the year. Rosh Hashanah means the head of the year. That's a Jewish tradition that's biblically incorrect. The head of the yeah, year is the month the head of the year, which is Passover. What this yeah. is is the Feast of Trumpets, folks. Yeah, absolutely. That, I agree that, with you. That, um, the, the, the reason I do, I've got a Jewish, a Jewish calendar on my desktop, <laughs> and it says Rosh Hashanah, and I didn't even think about yeah. it. But, yeah, it's the Feast well, of Trumpets. And you and kind of tell the people uh, we'll talk about the Feast of Trumpets and some other things, yeah. uh, of yeah. course. All right, this well, folks, exciting. look forward to having Richard back then. And, and until then, Richard, I'm going to say goodbye and shalom to you, brother.
Simone, Dan, it's always a pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Well, folks, Richard has been warning about Iran for some time. I believe Iran is part of the picture. Um, we've got a lot of things out there. I don't think any one person can reach out and grasp and say, I know it all. I really don't. I, I, the more that I learn, the more that I understand that. But what I do believe is that these people that I'm bringing on the program, they have different pieces of the puzzle. Like the fellow that, that, that says, well, Arkansas is a place of safety, but it's only a place of safety for somebody if the Lord Yeshua has taken you there and told you to go there. That song tonight by Brother Ben is the most revealing thing because it says, you people, you don't know him. If you knew him, then you wouldn't be saying, what did Jesus say? You would be praising Yeshua, and you would know what he says, because he... ...in church... ...special... with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things that they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It's, it's, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or office at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. Pet Floors of Houston. PetFloors.com. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now.
As you know, this is the final stage in your examination. It's a rather informal test in which we try to get some line on your ability to think on your feet. Your reaction to stress and pressure. Clear your desk. Get your number two pencil ready. If you are ready, the Inquisition is about to begin. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. If you have questions, please refer them to the chat room and make them good. Go ahead. Make my day. yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Live from Houston, Texas, a man who calls it like he sees it, without the normal political correctness he may have grown comfortable with. It's time for the Texas Perspective on current news and events. This show is not for the faint of heart or easily offended. Chances are you will learn something and along the way get to hear some great music from bands you may have missed. The doctor is in and he will see you now. Well, I guess we better get on with it. And that's right. The Doc Green Show is live and on the air. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. We're also up on YouTube, live on YouTube. So the uh, stream health is great. So you can go to the Amazing Doc Green Show on YouTube as well. We have a live chat room there, and we're glad to chat with you. We're also going to have call-in guests from time to time. And those call-in guests can call us at 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. And I hope you guys will join me on the Doc Green Show. Glad to have all of our new listeners with us and a few of our old listeners. Well, Saturday, of course, we were up at the Capitol in Austin, Texas. I am broadcasting from Houston, Texas. And we were at the Capitol in Austin. We had a really good time up there. It was me and about 150 of my closest friends. And, of course, what we were trying to do is get our state legislators to pay just a little bit of attention to us. The truth be told, if you don't have $150,000, they pretty much don't want to talk to you. I think $50,000 is sort of like the minimal entry fee that gets you on the list that if you call your uh, representative, uh, then he will eventually either return your call or at least send you an email if you gave him $50,000. But below that, they really don't seem to have much interest in us. And this has been a big problem even here in Texas. Now, I want you to know that I think the best way to save the United States is for Texas independence. Texas, yes. And a lot of people laugh when they hear that the first time. But uh, to quote uh, Nigel Farage when he was speaking to the European Union, he said, the last time I came here, you all laughed at me. Well, you're not laughing now. And that's the way it's going to be with Texas. When Texas does make its eventual exit from the Union, sooner rather than later, it's going to solve a lot of problems. First of all, the federal government, Washington's got to say, wow, we just lost Texas Texas is a huge state, lots of resources. Maybe we'd better start paying more attention to what the people want, and that's going to make it better for the remaining United States. Of course, one of the other problems that you may experience if Texas exits is that Oklahoma has already expressed an interest to join us. Louisiana expressed an interest to join us. Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia have all expressed an interest to 
to join us should we get free of this union. That's why when I say the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, I do not use the words indivisible. I don't use it in the Texas Pledge. I don't use it in the American Pledge because it's just not it's just not possible. I mean, it's it's something that you cannot do. So um, we want to make sure that we adjust that and uh, and keep that stuff out. And hopefully that just fixed it. I got a message from the producer. We're getting a little bit of noise, and I'll wait to see if that fixed it. New setup here, so we're uh, we're working with it, working through it, and uh, I wanted to talk about Texas independence for a minute because. Texas, if it were an independent nation, would be the eighth largest economy in the world, somewhere between eight and nine, actually, at this very moment. But uh, we're competing with Italy for the eighth largest economy in the world. A lot of people don't know that. And this is Space City, USA, where I'm broadcasting to you from. And on top of that, we've got the best medical in the world, the Texas Health Science Center. There is nothing more effective or better than that. And I'll give you a perfect example. They've been trying to scare all of you Americans for some period of time with this thing called Ebola. Yes. And you don't hear about Ebola anymore, do you? You know why? Because they brought three African Ebola victims to Texas and we cured them. That's it. We killed it. We cured them. Is there any place else in the world where you're going to get cancer research like you get at the Anderson Cancer Center right here in Houston? And the answer is, of course, no. So we've got it in medical. We've got it in rocket science. Uh, Let's face it, Elon Musk has two operations here. He's got the spaceport he's building in Harlingen, and then he's got the engine, rocket engine uh, manufacturing facility south of Dallas. Um, We've got uh, Mr. Virgin Airlines um, building a facility, a spaceport here in in Texas, uh, Richard Branson. So we've got that. What about cattle? Well, what does everybody think of when they think of Texas? They think of cowboys, right? Well, for good reason, because we have a lot of cows in Texas. And we got a lot of cowboys in Texas. So I myself was one as a youth. I used to go on cattle drives and all that good stuff every year. And we have plenty of cattle in Texas. Of oil? Oh, yeah. Texas is poised to become the number one energy producer in the world. The only thing holding us back right now is something called the EPA. Now, the EPA, contrary to popular belief, is not protecting your environment. Oh, hell no. What the EPA is doing is protecting you from ever making a decent paycheck. And I don't care what kind of work you do. I mean, you may be an office secretary. You may be a school teacher. But the EPA is making your life miserable. Does that mean that I don't like clean air and clean water? Well, absolutely not. I love clean air and clean water. But on the other hand, that's just a matter of being a good citizen. And even the largest manufacturers that I know really do care about clean air and clean water because, well, they live here too. 
So if you want to look at bad air, if you want to look at bad water, well, where do you go? Well, you go to someplace else besides the United States. China comes to mind. India comes to mind. Yes, and parts of Russia come to mind. The United States, cleanest air, cleanest water in the world. Unless, of course, you live in Flint, Michigan, but that's what happens when you hire Democrats. So I digress. Uh, in Texas, we have all of these things. The only thing that we don't really have in Texas that uh, that concerns me a little bit is coffee. Coffee is an issue in Texas. So I just got a text here. Uh, one of my regular listeners is not finding me on the AVRN feed, so uh, I just sent him over to YouTube. But... I don't know, we'll either learn how to grow coffee in Texas or we'll buy it because we have a lot of other resources. It was really great that Governor Abbott, uh, just a little over a year and a half ago, signed the legislation that would give us the gold repository in Texas because Texas is going to need to have its own gold. We're going to have to have our own currency. That's essential. What about military? Everybody says, well, you, got, you don't have no military. Well, sure we do. We have plenty of military. We've got some of the largest military bases that the United States owns right here in Texas. And what does the United States do whenever they go to a country and there's a new country and we help them gain their independence? Well, we give them all of that military hardware. We give them all of those bases. We did it in Afghanistan. Uh, we did it in Iraq. Um, we're, we're doing it all over the world. So why would not our northern brethren, uh, if indeed they are our northern brethren, why would they not do the same thing for Texas? Now, a lot of people, a lot of people seem to think that for some reason, the United States might just decide to declare war on Texas like uh, the Civil War. They say the Civil War settled all of that. Well, the Civil War settled nothing. The truth is, peace is not the absence of war. Now, some of you that have been paying attention, you heard Barack Obama utter those exact words that peace is the absence of war, but that is a lie. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is when you have fought your enemies to the point where they are either unable or unwilling to return to the battlefield, and there's peace. And then both groups begin to concentrate upon maintaining that peace, and the best way to maintain that peace is through commerce, no question about it. Now, NAFTA, of course, was a bad idea. That was a bad way to go about it. What NAFTA did for us was allowed Mexican truckers and Mexican bus drivers and Mexican trucks and buses to come into the United States without having to meet the normal safety standards that we have here in the United States. And this has resulted in a lot of really bad things happening. One of the bad things that happened is it put a lot of American truckers out of work. And that's just wrong. So NAFTA didn't help America at all. What it did was contribute to, say, Mexico's economy, because Texas represents about 30% of Mexico's economy. The other 10% made up by other parts of the United States. So NAFTA didn't help us at all. A Trans-Pacific Partnership is not going to help us at all. It's going to make things worse, not better. 
One of the things that we had when this great country was founded, and we will have again in the Republic of Texas, are tariffs. And what tariffs do is they finance the operation of the government, but they finance the operation of the government based upon people who want to bring their goods and services into our country and sell them. That, of course, makes their goods and services slightly more expensive because most countries depend upon some sort of slave labor. China comes to mind. So by having a tariff every time a Chinese good comes into the country, every time a Japanese car comes into the country, every time a Korean remote control for your TV comes into the country, or a Korean milk TV, Samsung, um, when these things happen, there's a tariff on those. This raises the price. You want to know why there are no American TV manufacturers in the world today? Well, it was because of free trade, no tariffs. So what did we decide to do? We decided that we would tax everybody on everything. And today, whenever you buy a product, whether it be a Samsung TV, whether it be a loaf of bread, whether it be a bottle of whiskey, 60% of the price you pay on that product is taxes. It was taxed at multiple different levels before you ever got it. This is what happens when the government goes hog wild and begins taxing the people. It's not an acceptable way to run a government. And when Texas is an independent nation, the Republic of Texas, as Sam Houston so ably said, uh, prophetically, I, I must add to that, as Sam Houston so prophetically said, will raise her head once again among the nations. Texas is going to solve this problem. We're going to get rid of the income tax. We're going to get rid of the property tax. We're going to solve the problem the correct way. So I'm glad all of you guys are listening to the show here on this Labor Day because we're going to present some solutions today here that you have never heard or seen before. One of the solutions, for instance, is instead of operating on the paper money economy, which I'm going to talk more about that in a minute, is to begin to offer, operate on the precious metals economy. I'll give you a perfect example. Here in Houston, I run a commercial on a radio station. And in that commercial, I offer to come out and do $500 worth of work for a mere $200. And that includes some parts as well. It's a great deal to get all of that for $200, but I offer them one better than this. I say, but on the other hand, if you pay me in silver dollars, 10 bucks. So if you're one of those guys that's been uh, collecting little, little bags of silver dollars, you know, pre-1964 silver coins, because prior to 1964, all of our silver coins were silver. You got a bag full of pre-1964 silver quarters, silver dimes, silver dollars? Give me 20 bucks worth, and I'll do $500 worth of work for you. Why am I doing that? Because your dollar today is worth 120th of what it was in 1964, my friends. Some of you are a little incredulous right now. How is that possible, you say? Well, it's possible simply for this reason. The Federal Reserve has been robbing you blind. Do you understand that? They've been robbing you blind. Now, some of you 
watched what happened in Greece, where one night the Grecian people went to bed and they had a thousand dollars in the bank, and the next day they woke up and they had six hundred. And you said, "Oh, how horrible! The banks robbed them." Well, the Federal Reserve has been doing this to you for years. Only, unlike Jesse James, they didn't pull out a revolver and point it in your face and say, give me your money. Oh, no. No, they're, they're like those little, uh, I don't remember what breed of dog it is, but they're like those little white dogs that like to come up behind you and nip you on your heels. They will never face you directly. They will come up and nip you on your heels, nip you on your uh, Achilles tendon. That's what they want to do. And that's the way the Federal Reserve Bank, a privately owned bank that has no reserve, has been acting with your money really since its inception back in 1913. But since 1964, when I was back in grade school, they've been gradually just nipping away at your heels, taking a little bit of your money at a time. Every day you wake up your dollars worth just a little bit less than it was the day before. And that is why today I will do $200 worth of work for 10 silver dollars. Back in 1968, yeah, I'll take it a little farther, even 1972. 1972, a man making $8,000 a year supported his wife and his two children, had a nice car, had a nice house. Chances are his car was paid for and his house was on its way to being paid for. And typically back then, a guy paid for his house in about 10, 15 years. $8,000 a year. Mom stayed at home, took care of the kiddos, made sure that everything was good in their life. She kept the house, planted the garden, went out and did all the shopping, all of the stuff that we'd expect a mom to do. And dad went out and worked for eight, ten hours a day and brought home his $8,000 a year. And that was all they needed. Why could they do that? Well, because back then taxes were a lot smaller. The federal government took a much smaller chunk of change away. But today the federal government has come up with so many ways to steal your money. It's just not even funny. That rhymed, and I didn't intend it to, but that that's it. So I'm just asking all of you to make some decisions, and I'm asking you, as a Texan, listening to the sound of my voice, get that book, We Defy, by Tommy Attaway. And I'm, I'm, I'm planning on having Tommy on the show a little later today. Get the book, We Defy, by Tommy Attaway. There are principles in there that not only will work in Texas, but they will work in every state of the union, no matter where you're listening to me at. You can get that book. You can begin to implement those principles in your life. I just want you to know everything you read in that book, I've tested it. It does indeed work. Tommy Attaway, well, he's a genius. That's all I, I got to say about that. Now, this is going to make you weep. Texas families will no longer get help to pay their electric bills. You see... Light Up Texas, a program that offered discounts to hundreds of thousands of poor Texas families over the years, has run out of money. 
As Margaret Thatcher once so famously said, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. Margaret Thatcher, like Sam Houston, a prophet. The uh, Light Up program has been giving discounts to hundreds of thousands of poor Texas families over the years, and it's run completely out of money. So as of two days ago, three days ago, it's done. Observers expected the money to run out after lawmakers declined to extend the program's funding source three years ago, and advocates are concerned that longtime beneficiaries who are used to having other people pay their electric bills for them are just going to be blindsided because all of a sudden they're going to be left to fend for themselves. I'm reminded, one time I was in a Greek restaurant, and the guy asked me how things were going, and I was grousing about the economy and the fact that, uh, you know, I was kind of low on cash. And he said, well, that's your own fault. Kind of made me mad, to tell you the truth. I wanted to slap him. What do you mean? You don't know me. How's my fault? But you see, I went home and I thought about it. And I said, you know, that guy is right. It's my own fault. So I realized today that because I'm not rich and driving a Rolls Royce is this guy right here. I am the reason I am not driving a Rolls Royce, my friends. I've made decisions in my life that have prevented that from happening for me. Some good, perhaps, some bad, perhaps, but it's my fault. And it's not your job to pay my electric bill. It's my job. So Linda Ender, a program director at Senior Source, said, we're very worried and we expect to get a flood of calls because there's almost a million people that were counting on having their electric bills paid last year by the state. Oh, they didn't pay the whole thing, but they were paying between 25 and 30% of these people's electric bills. The commission instructed electric providers to notify their customers of the program's demise by mailing flyers along with utility bills, but other advocates worry that some former beneficiaries are going to be caught off guard. Hmm. People do need assistance from time to time, but sadly they're in reaction mode. You said they just don't have the... Luxury planning ahead. Well, whose fault is that? Well, it's their fault to a certain degree, but let me tell you who else's fault it is. It's the fault of government. Government taxing these people to death at every level. Government taxing guys like me who traditionally give a lot to charity and to poor people. You see, that's the difference. If I choose to do it myself, that's good. If the government does it for me, that's bad. So this is the problem that they're dealing with is now they may have to pay their own electric bill. And if they don't pay their own electric bill, they may have their electricity shut off. But a lot of people have forgotten it was Barack Obama that said, my policies will necessarily cause electricity rates to skyrocket. Well, is that not what has happened? Yes, it is what has happened. I live in a very energy efficient home, but my electric bill typically runs around $350 a month during the summer. It shouldn't be that high, but it is that high because of government taxation policy. And right here in Texas, that's what's going on. So 
what should be done about this? According to the, the old plan, the Texans, who were also eligible for food stamps and Medicaid, qualified to get a portion of their electric bill paid. The discount did not apply to people living in non-competitive Texas electric markets like Austin or San Antonio or customers that were not served by the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. But some utilities offer their own help for qualifying taxpayers. The program doled out millions of dollars in assistance, even as lawmakers occasionally tapped its funding source called the System Benefit Fund to prop up the state's budget. I can't believe that. Imagine this. Our altruistic, properly elected officials were actually tapping into a fund that wasn't there, stealing money out of that fund, and then putting it into other things. They used to call that embezzlement. But it's apparently okay if you're a member of the government and you do it. State Rep. Sylvester Turner, who is now the mayor, Sylvester the Cat, we call him, suffering scatash. He led an effort for lawmakers to use the money as it was intended. What a novel idea, even for a Democrat, especially for a Democrat. And he succeeded through lawmakers, and they also ended the surcharge of 65 cents per megawatt that fueled the fund, which reached more than $800 million in 2013. But with roughly $350 million left during the 2015 session, Governor Greg Abbott wisely signed a bill that extended the uh, program's life until they ran out of money. And that was the wise part. He said, okay, I'm going to let you have the money that we already stole from other people to pay for this. But after that, it's over. The bill gave the Public Utility Commission broad latitude to set the discounts, and the regulators chose to drain the fund, spending as much on discounts as possible, Without going into the red. They said, we've scaled the discount, keeping roughly in line with what's been paid previously, said Mike Hoke. The, you know, kind of price is right rule. A small sum remaining in the account will roll over into the state's general revenue. Miss Ender said her group is starting to get calls from concerned clients as the word is spreading. And she expects to get plenty more. Meanwhile, Carol... Uh, Bedrinsky, director of the Texas Ratepayer Association of Save Energy, says she's saddened that no lawmaker is trying to resurrect the program or champing its cause. So this program worked very well. It's like Robin Hood. We steal from the people that can afford to pay their electric bills and give it to the people that can't. The amazing we steal from the people that work hard and have jobs every day, and we give it to the people that don't have jobs and are not looking for jobs because they're getting Plenty of assistance. They're getting rent assistance. They're getting food stamp assistance. They're getting medical assistance. All of that good stuff. So anyway, guys, going to be right back with you right after this on the Doc Green Show. Don't go away. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. Here's an important message.
Richard from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Worried about where your next meal will come from if the power is out for an extended period of time? I'd like to suggest Numana Foods, a family-owned business with a passion for food quality and taste, as well as long-term storage reliability. Numana.com. Check them out for your family's health and security. Food so good tasting and good for you, it can be eaten every day. Standard buckets are GMO-free, contain no aspartame, high fructose corn syrup, autolyzed yeast extract, chemical preservatives, or soy. You can be confident your Numana meals will be there for you and your family when you need them during an emergency. Numana.com, a nutritionally healthy way to prepare for any disaster. That's Numana.com. N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. You know it, Doc Green, Raging Elephants Radio. Also, now on American Voice Radio. Anyway, the Doc Green Show is live and on the air. We're broadcasting live from Houston, Texas. It's Labor Day, and there's a lot of stuff going on. I know most of you guys are out at the lake. You got the boat out. You got the uh, got your motorcycles out. You're going out. Maybe there's going to be a concert out there sometime tonight. So uh, you got all that going on. Meanwhile, here we are, and we're on the air, and we're just trying to keep you informed of of a few things and talk about a few things you may not see anywhere else. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit more 
The the fact of the matter is, when it comes down to electric bills, if you want to solve the, the poor people's problem with electricity, make the electricity cheaper. If you want to solve poor people's problem with electricity, stop paying unemployment insurance. Yes, stop paying unemployment insurance. Stop paying welfare. That's it. And then guess what? These people have to do one or two things. They've either got to get a job or they've got to create a job. America was built on the entrepreneurial spirit, and that's something that has died. Our school system is not geared toward supporting the entrepreneurial spirit. Sad but true. Our school system has designed a system that will basically turn all of our children into good little worker bots. And I I don't think that's necessarily what we had in mind when we created the public school system, is it? But that's what has happened. We turned our children into good little worker bots, and they understand that their job is to be indoctrinated, to become a member of groupthink, and to go out and get a job in some corporation and be a cog in the wheel. Now, as a guy who has started several businesses over my lifetime and currently still run one, I am grateful for all the people that work in my company. And I can tell you that several of the people that work in my company do it because they just don't want to have to do what I do as a CEO and been doing for the last 25 years. They don't want to have to lay awake at night and wonder if there's going to be enough jobs coming in to keep everybody paid. You see, they have confidence in me as a CEO that I'm going to go out and get that work for them and make sure they get a paycheck. Well, I've pretty much been able to do that for 25 years. But it does matter to me whether or not they get paid. They, on the other hand, are happy to work for, well, you know, 25, 30 bucks an hour. And, and I'm happy to pay them that as long as they work hard and do a good job. So consequently, nobody in my company has ever gotten minimum wage. We've never paid minimum wage except for the one guy who was just coming out of drug rehab, and he had never really held a job before because he got involved with drugs in high school. And he was unable to get his life together at that time. So we did pay him minimum wage. But the objective was to help him straighten out his life, get his mind right so that he could go to work. And today, that guy has a very good job with another company. He has responsibility. His life is great. I'm glad to have contributed to that. But for the most part, we don't pay minimum wage in our company. And since I'm on the subject, minimum wage should be abolished. There should be no such thing as a minimum wage. Because you ought to be able to hire a high school kid and pay that guy a buck an hour to come sweep out the warehouse. And then if you talk to that kid and you realize, hey, he's got a little bit of snap, can you go over here and organize the merchandise on these shelves? And you give him that job and he does it pretty good. And then one day you say, Hey, Joey, I need X. And Joey says, no problem. No right where it is. He goes back there. He gets it. He's back in like two minutes. You say, wow, kid knows the warehouse. Our warehouse manager is retiring. Joey, how would you like to get promoted to warehouse manager? Because you seem to know the warehouse. and You work really hard. Well, now all of a sudden, Joey goes from from getting a minimum wage. Now he's making a, a nice wage. That's how it used to work in America. But you see, the Democrats have utterly destroyed that. They have utterly destroyed that. And it's not acceptable. 
friend of mine, the Apostle Claver, a uh, black conservative, said that when I was young, I actually had a job where I did not get paid because my parents were affiliated with the organization and they wanted me to work that job to learn to do something. Of course, now, you know, he's a CEO of his own company. So that's how it works or used to work in America. But today what we do, instead of creating an environment where these uh, black youths, for instance, could get a job and learn a trade and become something, we bring in illegal aliens, and they take all of those jobs. Or we bring in Syrians legally in four states to accept these people, and they take those jobs. And so where do the Americans get jobs? I ask everybody, yeah, I, I love dreamers, don't you? Uh, yeah, sure I do. The illegal alien dreamers that come here and they dream of taking American jobs away from Americans. The illegal alien dreamers that dream of coming here and taking scholarships away from Americans that had a birthright. Why don't they stay in their own damn country and make their own way there, make their life better there? That's what should happen. Because I have grandchildren, and they have a birthright. And those jobs and those scholarships should be reserved for them. What about military veterans? I happen to be one. I joined up during the Vietnam War back in 1971. What about us? When I go to the VA hospital now, I'm told, oh, we can't see you here. You have to go on Obamacare. But my contract said, oh, no, 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 that all went away. Nope, can't help you. Get on out of here. Illegal aliens, on the other hand, get seen. They get medical care quickly. But American veterans do not. Is there anything wrong with this picture? So, yeah, Texas is no longer going to help people pay their electric bills. That is a good thing. But what we should be doing is working on getting that electric bill to be cheaper. And the best way to do that is to lower taxes. And that brings me to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a man that everyone should be getting behind. And I don't care who you are. My, uh, my other friend, Quan L. X, who happens to be a black Muslim activist here in the Houston area, a follower of the minister, Louis Farrakhan. One thing Quan LX and I agree on, black folks need to make their own way in the world. Black folks do not need the help of white folks. Black folks need to go out and get an education, learn to do a job, start their own businesses, but they don't need white people's welfare. We could totally agree on that. And the other night, and I posted it on my Facebook page, um, if you type Doc Green into Facebook, it'll bring me up. Now, Facebook has renamed me James Green. Don't let that fool you. Uh, they, de they determined that I am not Doc Green. I am James Green on Facebook. So, uh, But I posted this uh, video that Quan LX did with a friend of mine, Matt Patrick, and uh, tweets at Radio Matrick, by the way. And Matt Patrick and him are having this debate, and Quan LX endorsed Donald Trump. Quan LX said that the Democrats are not doing anything that are helping the black youth and Donald Trump well. Now, it's funny because the first time I told Quan LX that Donald Trump was good for black youth, he told me not to drink the Kool-Aid. Well, that was six months ago. He's since been analyzing things, and he realizes that crooked Hillary 
is not going to do anything for black people either. Not only is she not going to do anything for black people, she is replacing them. Yes, she's replacing them with Syrians. She's replacing them with other Muslims from other countries in the world. She's replacing them with Hispanics, quote, unquote. And Hispanics, of course, um, as Ray Herrera, the uh, guy who did the Murrieta blockade, pointed out on Saturday, <laughs> it's, a, it's a ridiculous term. It means nothing. What is a Hispanic? Is a Hispanic a Cuban? Is a Hispanic a Mexican? Is a Hispanic an El Salvadoran? Is a Hispanic a Colombian? Is a Hispanic a Puerto Rican? Yes, Hispanic is all of those, and they all think exactly alike, don't they? No, they don't. And that's what Ray Herrera was pointing out. They like to use this catch-all Hispanics, but it's ridiculous. It's meaningless. It means nothing. It doesn't cover anything. So why is it even there? Why are we even using this term? Well, I don't know. But uh, Donald Trump is going to be good for all Americans. He is going to build the wall. He is going to deport illegal aliens. He's going to make Mexico pay for that wall, which is going to be built right across the bottom of Texas, which is going to put Texas to work, by the way. And how is Mexico going to pay for the wall? First of all, all we've got to do is cut off the Mexican subsidies. We could take the money they used for Fast and Furious, for instance. That was where we gave guns to the drug cartels, and we gave money to the drug cartels, specifically the Sinaloa drug cartel, in exchange for information on the other drug cartels. And then Eric Holder said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of your competition out of business, Sinaloa drug cartel, if you'll just help me. So I'll give you drugs, or excuse me, I'll give you guns. I'll give you, you may give them drugs too, I don't know. But I'll give you guns for sure with the Fast and Furious uh, program, and I will give you money also to help you fight these other drug cartels. You just got to give me give me information on them. Just rat them out. It's been working. Uh, by the way, that information I just gave you, and some of you are out there saying, ah, that, that can't be right. Yeah, that came out of uh, actual sworn testimony in a court case. Didn't Didn't make it on CNN, did it? Hmm, I wonder what's wrong with that. Uh, meanwhile, Donald Trump down here has lost a key Hispanic supporter in Texas because this Hispanic supporter here in Texas was deeply disappointed after Donald Trump's speech on immigration Wednesday night. Houston immigration lawyer Jacob Monte. Houston immigration lawyer Jacob Monte. I wonder how Jacob Monte makes his money. He has resigned from Donald Trump's National Hispanic Advisory Council. Remember, Hispanic is everybody that has ever spoken the Spanish language at any point in time. And I guess at that point, I guess I'm Hispanic. Yo, hablo espanol. Estudio en escuela para dos años. Si, si, señor. Anyway, Jacob Monty said early Monday morning he's decided to not only resign as Donald Trump's National Hispanic Advisory Council leader, but he's going to stop money. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to raise any more money for Donald Trump. No, I'm not going to do it. And furthermore, I'm resigning. 
because I can't believe that he actually wants to support Americans. And I, Jacob Monty, do not support Americans. I, Jacob Monty, came here to conquer Texas for Mexico. That's the whole reason I'm here. This is about conquest. This is not about assimilation, folks. You can't drive anywhere in Houston, Texas now and not see signs in the Spanish language. So, Jacob Money, si, senor, I come here to take everything away from you. Yes, I come here to take everything away from you. And now I find this Donald Trump guy, he wants to do good things for Americans. He does not even want to help my people who come here to take over the country. I cannot support this guy. When I first got on board with Donald Trump, I thought that he would help me in my conquest. The Aslan people, that we would take back our land that was rightfully stolen from us, or wrongfully stolen from us. Yes, because those Mexicans in the Alamo were all traitors to Mexico. Yes. And now I come to find out Donald Trump, he's not here to help the Latino community. No, no, no. Donald Trump is here to help Americans. Donald Trump, he wants to help those guys like like that phony Hispanic Ray Herrera. Ray Herrera, who's out there supporting the white men. Yes, I cannot support Donald Trump anymore. I cannot support Donald Trump. I was all for Trump till I found out he was all for America. He said, no way, Jose. To give money to Donald Trump is pouring money down the drain. I'm telling you guys, the fact that he is leaving the Trump campaign should tell you everything you need to know. Should tell you everything you need to know. When you are required to speak Spanish here in the United States, this is about conquest. It is not about assimilation. If these people were coming here to become Texans, if they were coming here to become Americans, they would be like the people that came here over 100 years ago, the Irish that came here, the Italians that came here, the Germans that came here, the Polish that came here, and they all told their children, we will not again speak our native language in this house. We will speak only English. When I took Spanish in college, on day one, my Spanish professor said, from today forward, if you do not learn how to say, quiero ayuda, you will get no help in this class. We will speak only Spanish in this class. Because my teacher understood that if you want to learn to speak Spanish, it has to be total immersion, or you don't learn to speak it well. So what is wrong with us that we've got here in Texas, we've got schools that have Spanish bilingual teachers. In fact, you pretty much can't get hired here in Texas unless you speak Spanish and English. The strength is in unity, not in diversity. 
The old idea of strength and diversity is a lie from the pit of hell, and it has always been so. All you got to do is go back to the Bible and look at the Tower of Babel where the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, if we do not restrain these people from speaking the same language, they are all of one mind, one heart, and one accord. If we do not stop this, heaven itself will not be kept from them. That's God saying these people are going to do anything if they're unified. And if we leave them unified, we're never going to be able to maintain control. So he came down and he confused the languages. That solved the whole problem. Once you got everybody speaking a different language, now there's no unity. Therefore, you have control. That is the lesson we should be learning here today. And I'm telling you, if you are a member of a church and they're supporting the Spanish language community, you need to go have a meeting with your pastor and tell him to stop. Tell him, if you truly love these people, pastor, you will require them to learn to speak English in order to enjoy a church service. Pastor, if you truly love these people, you will require them to learn to speak English so they can get better jobs, make more money, and pay more Ties. If you're a part of any organization that is operating in a bilingual manner, you need to stop that. Now, the exceptions are, if I want to go to Mexico, I expect to speak Spanish. I do not expect them to speak English. I expect to learn to speak Spanish. If I'm going to go operate in Mexico and I want the Mexican money, I'm going to do that. But... If you come to America, I expect you to learn to speak English. I would like to be like India. You know, in the country of India, where they have a multitude of different languages spoken, all government business is conducted in English, and that's the way it should be. All business should be conducted in English. All church services should be conducted in English. All signs should be written in English. I don't like the fact that here in Houston... We've got the Vietnamese section of town where all the signs are in Vietnamese. What the hell are we thinking? What does it cost to have to do all of that? No. Vietnamese people need to learn to speak English, too. And the Vietnamese people have been very successful here in Houston, by the way. I don't think you're going to find too many of them on the government uh, welfare rules. I think what you're going to find with most Vietnamese people is they've gone out, they've gotten good jobs, they've worked really hard, and consequently they have something to show for it. The place I get my hair cut at is run by a bunch of Vietnamese people. I like it. The price is right. I walk right in, and because I'm a good tipper, I immediately get into a chair. I get my hair cut, and I'm out of there in 10 minutes. I like that. Vietnamese people are hardworking. They do a good job. But they also should be required to speak English and English only here in the United States. Now, if you want to get in your house, you want to talk Vietnamese to somebody else, you want to talk Spanish to your brother, and I guess you could. But I want to remind you how America became great. And it became great because the Italians said, we will not speak any Italian in our home because we are now Americans. They came here because they wanted to be an American. And I'm saying, if you come to Texas, you want to be a Texan. And if you're going to be a Texan, you better learn to speak redneck. So, 
I'll get off of that rant. Some good news. Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing the city of Austin in Travis County, the home of the drunken DA, trying to force City Hall to comply with the new open carry laws of Texas. And that means that if you have jumped through the hoops, if you have bent down and kissed the glove and said, Mother, may I, and wrote the check, you're allowed to carry a weapon. Assuming you went through a background check, of course. Now, Barack Obama couldn't pass the background check that I had to go through to get my firearms license 20 years ago. He would have failed that background check, just like he would have failed a background check to work a Bell helicopter, which I also was able to achieve. Um, But I've done all of that. I got my license, and now, according to Texas state law, I can carry my gun anywhere except a courtroom or a bar or a restaurant bar that makes 51% of their profit on alcohol. That's a ridiculous law, too. I should be able to carry my, my weapon anywhere because the Lord Jesus Christ himself said in Luke twenty two thirty six, if you don't have a gun... Sell your coat and buy one because you're going to need it to defend yourself against the government. It's hard to get any more authoritative than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, is it not? Luke 22 and 36, write it down, go look it up for yourself. Yes, and when I testified before the state house in Austin, they said, I believe he said so hard. Well, that's because they didn't have 1911s. 1911s, the ultimate weapon. Anyway, so Ken Paxton has sued the city hall in Austin, home of the drunken DA, Rosemary Lindbergh. And Austin is just hot about it. They are not happy at all because, you see, Austin is the last bastion of communism here in the United States. And as Tommy Attaway so eloquently put it on Saturday when he spoke, he said in communism, they want to make sure all the guns remain in the hand of the communist, as opposed to a free state like America where we want to make sure the guns remain in the hands of the people because the Second Amendment says the uh, necessity of security in a free state depends on the militia and the right to keep and bear arms. So you can't get around that. But anyway, Bryce uh, Bencivengo told the paper that the city has, has the precedent to ignore this statute because City Hall houses the meetings of the council and most boards of commission certain hearings by the downtown community court. However, that has failed. They're doing the same thing, by the way, at Hempstead. Same the same issue. Right now, their DA is being fined something like $7,500 a day for every day that he fails to comply. But the good news is uh, Ken Paxton is doing this. And he's standing up for your rights to keep a bare arms here in Texas. And for this, we are grateful. The problem of gun violence, you hear that term a lot, the problem of gun violence generally results when you disarm the public and then the criminals, knowing that they are far more effective with a gun than without it, have guns. And when the criminals have guns, but the rest of the public does not, then who's in charge? Who's going to run things? Well, the criminals are. That's why in Chicago, already this Labor Day weekend, 
we've had a, an incredible number. I don't remember what it was, but it was like uh, one and a half people an hour gunned down in Chicago since the Labor Day weekend began. Now, here in Houston, Texas, where we have probably uh, two guns for every man, woman, and child, amazingly enough, we've had maybe one or two murders over the whole weekend. Both of those were drug-related. So what's the difference? we got more guns here than they got there. If it was guns that were the problem, well, our murder rate would be ten times what it is in Chicago. But guns are not the problem. The problem is simply a disarmed population. The problem with criminals is they don't obey the law. They just don't obey the law. And because criminals do not obey the law, they're always going to have guns. They don't go to gun shows and buy their guns. They don't go to gun stores and buy their guns. They may go to a gun store and rob it and take their guns, but uh, they don't buy their guns. So anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay a few bills on the Doc Green Show. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green. Be right back, guys. The Amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. with Pet Floors of Houston. We specialize in luxury vinyl tile installations for your home or your office. We sell a high-performance floor that is perfect for anyone who has dogs or cats or is trying to get a floor that just looks beautiful without nearly the maintenance that other floors have. It's a heavy-duty commercial PVC product. It looks like wood or stone or tile. This is a floor choice that you find major retailers have in their stores or intimate cafe or even your fast food restaurants. The adhesive that we use is waterproof. The product is waterproof, and so therefore, you can use a bleach water solution, clean it right up, and you're back to normal. It doesn't hold any odor, it's realistic, it's hygienic, it's affordable, and there's no click, click, click noise on it when you walk on this floor. It's just amazing. We've been in this house for about eight years, and we've had some hardwood floors down. And it was really one of those things where they were looking worn and need to be refinished, and we were really looking for an alternative. We found Gary with Pep Floors, and he came out and measured. The measurement process went very easily, and when it came to installation time, they came out here, did a fine job. The installers were great. The service has been great ever since. I love my new floors. They're great, extremely durable, and they just look beautiful. From a cleaning standpoint, from an overall care standpoint, you don't even have to think about what you're doing. It, it, there's no special care. It, it's really nice. We actually have a mobile showroom, so I can come out to your home or offices at a time that's convenient for you, and I can show you the samples that would look right in your home. I can even help you make decisions and coach you through this. It's not like I've done this one or two times, but I've done it many, many times. So give me a phone call, and I'm happy to come out there. I do estimates for you right there on the spot, and it's all free of charge. That's Pet Floors of Houston. PetFloors.com. 
Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beattie did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beattie set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. The doctor is in. And the doctor is in. Doc Green raging here on the show today. Uh, broadcasting from Houston, Texas. Um, I've got, I wanted to read this short note from a friend of mine, Kerry Wise, for freedomtexas.org. You guys can look that up, freedomtexas.org. Kerry Wise said this. He said, I know I'm going to get a lot of grief and criticism, but I and millions of Texans are just fed up with the rhetoric, misleading reporting, or just plain naivete and stupidity of the press when it comes to handling Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and the present Islamic situation that we have. Every day we watch the truth of the Muslim world on TV. My God, when you see it, how can you not believe it? Radical Islam has declared war on everyone worldwide. From Bill O'Reilly to our local news reporters, everyone, including retired generals interviewed about the subject, all say the same thing. We cannot understand why Obama and Hillary do not do more about the violence from Islamic radicals. Well, let me go ahead and add to that. From Islamists, because Islam is bad. There is no redeeming feature about Islam. It's just flat bad. And we've got to quit allowing it to come into the United States. The time is going to come when you're going to have to stop Islam in its tracks. You're going to find out there's a mosque being built close to you, and you're the guy that's going to have to get a bunch of pig carcasses and a few gallons of pig's blood and go over there and desecrate that land. And who knows, maybe grow a few baby pigs. <clears throat> I digress. So, we do understand why Barack Obama is not going to do more about this violence and why Hillary will double down on it and not make it better. Barack Obama is a Muslim. He is a Muslim, plain and simple. There's no getting around it. All you got to do is Look at what you see. Quit thinking about what you hear. Look at what you see. So there's that, and Hillary is no better. Look at how much money the Clintons have taken in from Islamists, and it's in the millions of dollars. So we do understand why he will not do anything to stop it, and neither will Hillary. That's why I loved what uh, Eric Trump said. He said, you know, I don't understand it. He said, when the Trumps make a buck, it's because we rented out a room at one of our hotels or we sold a building that we built. 
Uh, we sold some good or service to someone. When the Trumps make a buck, we do that. How did Hillary Clinton make all of her millions? What was she selling? The answer to that was she was selling you. She sold you out. She sold out our secrets. The fact of the matter is we've got right now a submariner who took some pictures of an engine room on his submarine for his own personal enjoyment, never shared them with anyone, never left his phone, and he's going to Leavenworth for two years. Hillary Clinton, with a top-secret security clearance that she could not have earned on her own, Hillary Clinton has put all of that stuff on multiple private servers and multiple unsecured devices and shared all of our information with the world and put the United States at great risk. That's why I say if Hillary's elected, the United States doesn't last another 18 months. Because with all the information that Hillary has released to the world, we have no military secrets anymore. They know everything about us. They know everything about our military. They know where they can attack us, where we are most vulnerable. I used to play this game years ago called Age of Empires, an electronic computer game. And if you got enough money, you could afford to hire spies in that game. And once you hired a spy, I mean, it took a huge amount of resources. But once you'd hired that spy, all of a sudden, all of the area of land on your opponent's side became completely visible to you. You could see everything he was doing. You knew what forts he was building. You knew where his military buildups were. You knew if he was sneaking up behind you because you had spies. Well, Hillary Clinton was the ultimate spy. Hillary Clinton delivered all of that information to our enemies, and they all now have it. You want to know about those, uh, what, 50,000 missing Hillary emails? Well, good news. Russia's got them. China's got them. Afghanistan's got them. Iran has them. Do you? No. The only people that don't have them is the American people. The only people that don't have it is the FBI. Anyway, back to uh, Kerry Wise's dissertation. Barack Obama understands. He understands completely. All you have to do is read his book, Dreams from My Father. He hates America. He hates Texas. He is an Islamic supporter. He orchestrated the Arab Spring and covered it up with a move for democracy. These countries wouldn't know democracy if they stepped in it. It was a takeover by the Muslim Brotherhood, supported by Barack Obama, who incidentally is supporting ISIS right now in Syria. And that's why the Russians are doing what they're doing, because they're going in there to take out ISIS. They see ISIS as a threat, whereas Barack Obama sees it as an income opportunity. Anyway, and don't forget that America is not a democracy. It's never been a democracy. It is a representative republic. And that's what it's supposed to be, by the way. A carry wise goes on. The political correctness and nice guy reporting needs to stop. The people better wake the hell up because we're sliding into a cesspool that we will never get out of. Obama is a socialist, a communist, an Islamic apologist, an America-hating radical who is pulling off what he told us when he got elected the first time. He will fundamentally change America. Well, he's done that, hasn't he?
All we have to do is wake up, smell the coffee, and take a look at it. Meanwhile, Governor Greg Abbott, the legislature, and the spineless Congress in Washington, D.C. are all just as big a traitors. I know the majority of you only care about money, power, and your personal elected official, but you damn well better start telling the truth about Barack Obama and this administration and his goal of destroying America, or more to the point, Hillary Clinton and her goal of destroying America. If we common everyday folks can see this, but we stay quiet, then it continues. If it all goes south, and it's likely to, and all of the press and the sitting plutocrats will win, sort of, but we will have no one to blame but ourselves. We in Texas demand of those who can to make a difference, to make a difference. Barack Obama has utterly destroyed this country. The only thing that we can do is to return Texas to its own roots. Return Texas back to its constitutional republic base. Article 1, Section 1 of the Texas State Constitution states it extremely clearly. What happens on Article 1, Section 1, is it says that if the United States denies any state of the union the right of local self-government, Texas must secede from that union. We cannot be a part of that. So you have to ask yourself, has the United States government prevented any of the local state governments from operating? Well, you know it's true. They have. So if they indeed have, that invokes Article 1, Section 2, which says we have to abolish that form of government. We have to get rid of it. Hillary Clinton is a liar. The whole Benghazi thing was about running guns to ISIS in Syria. Once again, back to the problem that I mentioned earlier. We are supporting ISIS in Syria, the United States is. Putin, on the other hand, is trying to take ISIS out. That is why we have conflict. We are working across purposes. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, that's, that's just the truth. Hillary Clinton is a liar. She is a communist sympathizer. And she intends to complete the work that Barack Obama has done so ably up to this point. I saw a meme, it's still so very true and present in my mind, Barack Obama in the, in the picture said, I put America in the toilet. Vote for Hillary, she'll pull the handle. She will do it. Benghazi, the whole point of Benghazi was to run guns to ISIS in Syria to take out a guy that all of a sudden, though he'd been an ally of ours for years, a I mean, yes, he's a Muslim, but he's a separatist. He didn't have any interest in destroying Israel, unlike Iran does. Uh, and he wasn't mad at the West either. We got pictures of him laughing it up and having a good time with John Kerry. Well, now all of a sudden he's the enemy. So when the whole thing of Benghazi went down and we were having our people over there murdered and tortured, 
Hillary Clinton decided, well, hey, it's been a long day. I'm going to go home and go to bed now, and we'll see what it looks like in the morning. Remember her 3 a.m. phone call commercial that she ran when she was running against Barack Obama? That said it all. You can't vote for Hillary. Did you know that Hillary defended a child rapist in court and got him off? And she thought it was funny. She accepted gazillions of dollars from the Muslims. And if nothing else, she is endorsed by Barack Obama. That ought to do it. Hillary Clinton is not for women. Look at what she did to the women that Bill Clinton raped. Yes, he raped them. And Hillary went about destroying those women's reputations so they would not be believed. But as one Democrat senator said after he looked at the evidence, says, yeah, I figure Bill probably did rape that woman. But it would just be too devastating to the United States to impeach a president, so I'm not going to vote for impeachment. Hillary Clinton is a multi-multi-millionaire. I go back to what Eric said earlier, Eric Trump. When we made our money, we sold a product. We rented a room. We sold a piece of property. That's how we made our money. What did Hillary do to make her money? I think that's a question that you need to be asking yourself. The fact of the matter is, if you don't like Donald Trump, it just means you probably don't know him. I mean, this morning I was listening to a black guy on the news, and uh, he was talking about the fact that finally what we're dealing with here is uh, we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with a guy that I've always known as a common sense sort of guy. I just uh, popped open the chat room. Had I've been remiss. Ah, John Winters, good to see you in there. John Winters has a wonderful company called Obscura.us, Obscura.us. They sell, they sell uh, men toys there. You got to check it out. And uh, John Winters reminded me, oh, yeah, Quanell the Tenth. <laughs> we're talking about black guys supporting Donald Trump. Once again, I reiterate, I don't know what time John got here, but I reiterate, Quanell the Tenth, a.k.a. Quanell X, has endorsed Donald Trump. And that was huge. I put up that video. Last time I checked it, it was approaching 600,000 views. Pretty strong. Because everybody's amazed that here we got this black activist, and he's supporting Donald Trump. Well, a black preacher I heard this morning on the news, same thing. He said, look, I've, always, I've known Donald Trump for years. He's always been a great guy, and he's always, he's always had good policies for the black people of America. Why not support him? Donald Trump is a vote for America. You vote for Donald Trump, you're voting for America. You vote for Hillary. Now, what is Hillary doing? Hillary's out there trying to register illegal aliens to vote. Do you think if Hillary's trying to register illegal aliens to vote that uh, she is in favor of a strong America? What do you think? I say... No, I say Hillary is not very strong America. That's why she's registering illegal aliens to vote. She's got other Democrat operatives uh, restoring the right to vote to felons. 
ultimately, I guess I don't have a problem with that because I've always said if you if you uh, committed a felony but you have served your sentence, your rights should be restored, including your right to keep and bear arms. By the way, if you served your sentence, you should get your rights back. But I happen to know that uh, Terry McAuliffe did that because he wanted them to vote for Hillary. So Hillary's counting on illegal aliens voting for her. She's counting on felons to vote for her. Now, does this sound like someone that you want to be president of the United States? I would say no. I would have a problem with that. Hillary, if you vote for Hillary... You are voting against America. You are voting against your best interest. That is incredibly, incredibly important to recognize that. Now, as uh, I like to do on my show on a fairly regular basis, I do like to play some music on the Doc Green Show, and uh, I had a request for a little space cowboy, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna pop that up and play that for you because I do like to play a little good music on here, and I like to play stuff that you don't hear anywhere else. So here we are, guys.
Space Cowboy. y'all enjoyed that on the Doc Green Show. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. And we are broadcasting once again live from Houston. I'd like to welcome all of the new listeners out there. And the uh, call-in number is 800-932-1980. 800-932-1980. So, anyway, we've covered a few topics here today that uh, really need a little bit of attention. The problem that we're having is nobody's paying attention. What I fight the most, I drive all over Texas. I speak to a lot of people. And even a couple of weeks ago uh, with FreedomWorks, went up to Chicago and got to talk to a lot of people up there, even up there. Ran into apathy, guys. People just don't know. They just don't care. And it's very sad to see, but it's just the absolute truth. We're running into apathy everywhere we go. Our event on Saturday, there should have been 127,000 people at that event. God knows we spent enough money advertising it. We hired a live band. We had a big PA system, so the sound quality was good. We brought in speakers from all over the United States. I mean, for crying out loud, Chalice Finnicum. She was outrageously good. We brought her in. Uh, we had Ray Herrera came in from California to speak. We had people in from Chicago. We had people in from all over the United States to speak at this event. We had 150 people. Should have been 127,000. That would have been half of 1% of the legal residents of Texas. But in spite of all of that, I mean, we had Crystal Lee Larimore, who publishes The Damn Good Times, which, by the way, you guys might want to get a copy of that. It's a great paper. You can have it delivered to your house, Damn Good Times. One of the few conservative newspapers left, might be the only one, um, 
And and yet, what were we dealing with? We were dealing with with apathy. The fact that a lot of people just didn't bother showing up. Now, the people who were there were awesome. And I must say, for the first time in a long time, I saw a lot of new people there that I've never seen before. That did indeed please me. But it was not enough. We have to have more. We've got to, well, it's always been my view that when we can get to the state capitol with 10,000 people twice in a row, then we will be able to get enough attention to get something done. But until that happens, well, it's just not going to happen. But we're not getting there. We are not getting there. I've been trying to do this thing now for, well, I really started doing the event thing about three years ago. And we, uh, we've, we've done our best to have events. We've held them all over Texas. We have a lot of them at the Capitol in Austin, but we've had them all over Texas. The best one I've been to so far, we had about 250 people showed up for that. That was Freedom Friday in Austin. But that was also a year and a half ago. We didn't spend nearly as much money advertising that as we did this event. We did have a live band. We, we had the Texas 1836 band come and play live for that. Good Texas Red Dirt country band. And about 250 people came for that. We had a couple of our state lawmakers stop by. Of course, we're having that on the steps of the Capitol. It's hard for them to avoid us. But for the most part, for the most part, it just wasn't quite happening. Until we can get to the Capitol and have 10,000 people two times in a row, we're not going to be taken seriously, and the plutocats are going to continue to run amok. You can look that word up, plutocracy, and you know what I'm talking about. But the plutocrats are going to continue to run amok until we can get enough people involved. And I'm open to ideas. If any of you guys think of any other great ideas, how we can get by the uh, the apathy, let me know. But there's a guy named Juvenile. Juvenile. Um, I think he was born somewhere around 68 A.D., somewhere around 68 A.D., but somewhere around 100 A.D., he said, bread and circuses. In 68 A.D., he said, as long as there is plenty of bread and circuses or entertainment, they didn't have TV back then, the people are going to be mollified. What has changed? Going to be right back, guys, on the Doc Green Show. So stick around. Share the link with your friends. The amazing Doc Green Show is on the air. Here's an important message. 
message from Vita Scientific. If you have high blood sugar or type 2 diabetes, these are serious medical issues that require immediate attention. Did you know that it's possible to actually reverse high blood sugar and diabetes by using simple, natural products proven to balance your blood sugar? It's time to do what I did. Take control of your life. Vita Scientific's clinically tested formula will help you to feel healthy and energetic. These breakthrough supplements, along with small changes in your diet and exercise plan, may be the answer you've been looking for to set you on the path to optimal health. These products will not interfere with your current medical treatments, so start getting excited about feeling great again. Please visit VitaScientific.com or call Vita Scientific at 210-520-8432. That's 210-520-8432 to learn more. Tell them Doc Green sent you and get 50% off your first order. Call now. TV and radio are great mediums for mass instruction, but for those times when you just want to hold something in your hands, there is the damn good times. I still love the newspaper, but I'm tired of the liberal bias. That's why I reach for the damn good times. Always full of interesting stories and great information, and you can have it delivered to your doorstep by calling 281-332-5710 or sending an email to news at thedamngoodtimes.com. Just $50 a year will get a full subscription. It's a great gift for all the patriots you know. Do it now. Maintaining your home air conditioner is just as important as maintenance on your car. You don't know the big difference there's going to be until you've had the work done. I thought my system was working fine, but now it's better than ever. Galen Beatty did it for me, and he'll do it for you. Good servicing will not only keep your system performing well during the sweltering summers here in Houston, but it will save you money year after year. In my case, it cut my AC power consumption by 20%. Do what I did. Have Galen Beatty set up regular AC maintenance to cut your energy bill and prevent system failure at the worst time. And what's better than being comfortable and saving money? Whether you need a basic tune-up or it's time to put in a new super-efficient system, you should call BDAC, 281-222-9591. That's 281-222-9591 to schedule an AC system tune-up. BDAC and Heat. That's B-E-E-D-E-A-C and Heat.com. BDAC and Heat.com. Doc Green, Doc Green, live from Houston. Glad to have you guys here today. We got a lot of exciting stuff going on around the world. Uh, one of the things that's going on around the world, and a lot of people uh, haven't heard this. I get this from BeforeIt'sNews.com, and they say it's not known if this was an accident or a false flag event. But over the last six weeks, the U.S. military has been moving and massing on the border of Russia and Germany and some German towns in that area. They've had multiple transport aircraft coming from England, and they're all bound for that area, and they've gone over there, and then they've come back empty. That's the, uh, the word is on the street they've been delivering armor to that area. And you're not hearing this anywhere else. Meanwhile, uh, the ruling elite have given up on Angela Merkel, and it was announced last August by Parks and Associates that an attempted assassination was made on her last week. A black Mercedes tried to join her motorcade in the Czech Republic. The intruder was found to have a gun and grenades. 
Now, it's not known if this is a false flag to scare a miracle into compliance or a real murder attempt. It was anticipated that Russia would react to the buildup and and possibly start a war. This did not happen. But nonetheless, Angela Merkel, let's face it, what has she done to Germany? She's utterly destroyed Germany. She's done to Germany what Hillary wants to do to the uh, American people. So what we're seeing over there, all you got to do is just take a take a good look at that, and you can see what they have in mind for us here. We've got serious, serious problems, guys, and they're not being addressed. Now, the good news is I uh, saw in the news this morning that uh, Donald Trump is closing the gap. He's now three and a half points out. Three and a half points away from winning. So how are we going to solve that problem? Well, here in Texas, they're wanting to give us all new voting machines. And the word on the street is these new voting machines are so complicated to operate that Texans, at least at the county level, are not going to be able to have anything to do with it. They're not even going to be able to touch the hardware or the software for this. It's all got to be handled by the company that's providing these new voting machines that are going to be installed in counties all across Texas. That means they're probably being installed all across the world. So even after we've uncovered massive voter fraud here in Texas, they're talking about expanding it. And then the other good news that came out on top of that was Department of Homeland Insecurity has decided that the only way to ensure a free and fair election is for the Department of Homeland Insecurity to take over the election process, make sure that it is not tampered with. That just gives you warm fuzzies, doesn't it? Meanwhile, U.S. intelligence law enforcement agencies are probing what they see as a broad covert Russian operation in the United States to sow public distrust in the upcoming election and political institutions. Well, I don't think we need their help. I don't think we trust it already. Do you? We had uh, George Soros recently came out and said that let me see, how did he phrase it? He said, yes, Donald Trump's going to win the popular vote, but Hillary's going to win the Electoral College. So when they actually come out and say that, what do you think? Now, I'm, I'm urging all of you to go out and vote. I'm urging all of you to not accept this as the be-all, end-all. I'm urging all of you not to accept this as the final word. But at the same time, We have got to be vigilant and pay attention. Now, the good news is here in Texas, there have been some polls taken, and if Donald Trump does not win the election, a lot of Texans are all of a sudden going to be interested in Texas independence that we're not. That's the good news. The bad news is if Donald Trump wins, a lot of uh, Texans are not going to worry about it. That's what bothers me. We need more interest in Texas independence. We need more people paying attention. I just wanted to point out some of these things so you guys have a better feel for them. Because to be honest, we are losing the Republic of Texas. We're losing the Republic of America. It's all going away. And no one else is out there actually really trying to do anything to solve the problem. 
I'm doing it here. I'm doing the best I can here. That's why we had the event in Austin. If you saw the pictures, I mean, it was a good event. It was a lot of fun. We had great music. We had a lot, lot going on up there. It was just a, it was a good deal. But there weren't enough, weren't enough people involved in that. So, um, according to James Clapper, in an effort to better understand Russia's covert influence on the election, James Clapper, you know, the director of national intelligence, a Muslim, yeah, that guy. He said, we're kind of concerned about this because a former CIA officer who has been briefed on these situations has been looking it over. So we're looking at it very closely, and we're also examining potential disruptions to the election process. The FBI has alerted state and local officials to possible cyber threats. And then they use a phrase that I just hate, but this is the Washington Post, after all. Uh, The Washington Post says... uh, We're very concerned because fair elections are key to our democracy. People have to have confidence in the election system. For those of you that saw the movie Mars Attacks, you know, the uh, do not run, we are your friends. Yeah, that, that attitude. But they went on to say the Kremlin's intent may not be to sway the election one direction or the other, but to cause chaos, provide propaganda fodder to attack democracy-building policies around the world. Well, that might be closer to the truth than anything I've read so far. Oh, by the way, did you see it? The Barack Obama shows up in China. He's the only one that doesn't get a red carpet. That's how much respect we have in the world. With the G20 talks. Obama acknowledged their tensions over digital espionage, said the United States has strong capability in this area. Our goal is not to suddenly in the cyber arena duplicate the cycle of escalation we saw when it comes to another arms race of the past. What an idiot. Well, he's not an idiot. No, he's doing what he's told to do. He's following the instructions of his master, George Soros. And, of course, George Soros is not his own man either. George Soros works with a larger group of people, and he follows orders as well. Anyway, another aide said it seems to be a global campaign, which includes FBI, Department of Homeland Security as well, and some congressional leaders briefed recently on intelligence agencies uh, said this may serve as a template for voting disruption. They were disturbed by this fact. Senate Minority Leader Harry Reid, Communist uh, Nevada, ended a secure 30-minute phone briefing by a top intelligence official recently. He said he was deeply shaken when he left the secure room at FBI's Las Vegas headquarters. I'm deeply shaken that Harry Reid's allowed into the FBI headquarters. I'm also deeply shaken that the FBI has chosen not to arrest Hillary Clinton, who has committed obvious criminal acts, and yet they're going to prosecute that submariner for having a few pictures on his phone. Senator Ben Sasse, Republican Nebraska, publicly urged Obama to name Russia as being responsible for the DNC hack, but that's because Ben Sasse is also another rhino. I am not, I personally, I don't know, I'm having a hard time blaming Russia for this. Oh, the Russians have all of Hillary's emails. I mean, make no mistake about it, but I just have a problem blaming Russia for it. 
Washington Times would like to do that. I think China is very likely involved. I mean, did you see that confrontation between uh, Susan Rice and the Chinese when she landed over there? They got in her face. They said, no, this is Chinese territory. We're in charge here. That's why they didn't bring out the red carpet, for instance. And yet, at the same time, we see a full court press to get rid of Donald Trump. The anti-Trump media censorship, for instance, caught on tape, Reuters ordered its cameraman to cut the live footage of Trump being praised by by African-American Bishop Wayne T. Jackson in Detroit. The incident occurred as Jackson presented Trump with a shawl and a Bible and offered his prayers while the black audience cheered and clapped. Perhaps aware of the devastating impact that the optics of this moment would have on the media's efforts to demonize Trump as a racist, a voice is heard off camera saying, he's getting a shawl. The cameraman says, I'm shooting this. I don't care what they say. I'll take a demotion for this. The director said, no, shut it down. Shut this down. Yes, do it. Shut it down. Blackout. The camera begins to shake, and then a live feed is cut. I told you, it's a full-court press. Donald Trump scares the hell out of the liberals and the communists out there because they understand that if Donald Trump somehow manages to get elected, it's going to be the end of that particular domination that they've they've had for all of these years. Once again, if it wasn't for InfoWars, we would not be aware of this. We would not have heard this. It wouldn't have, wouldn't have even gotten out. So just something to something to consider. Huh. I don't know what it's going to take, guys. It's Labor Day today. Today is the day when we celebrate communism, in effect. I mean, there's May Day. That's that's communist celebration, but so is Labor Day. I got nothing against people in labor. God knows I've done it all my life. God knows in particular, pretty much since I was a kid, I put in anywhere from 10 to 14-hour days, some occasional 18-hour days. So I'm happy to support labor, but then on the other hand, what am I doing on Labor Day? Am I out at the lake? No, I'm here with you because you care and I care. I am here trying to make a difference. That's what I am doing. There's a friend of mine. He's up there at the uh, event on Saturday, Wilbur Witt. Wilbur Witt III. He's written a lot of a uh, lot of great book. Well, Wilbur Witt III, I think, is his son. But Wilbur Witt, written a lot of great books. You can find them on Amazon.com. But uh, he, this is one of his most recent articles, and he said this. This morning, Texas stands at the tip of the spear. Unless you're living under a big yellow rock, you've got to notice that police officers are being killed at an alarming rate. This is not a coincidence. It doesn't matter that a man in Harris County was with an organization or just a lone wolf. He killed Officer Goforth. Now the leaders of the Nation of Islam and Black Lives Matter are calling for mass executions 
of white people. That's real people. Just read the news. The attack on the police is an effort to disrupt social order, throw society into chaos, and attack all existing institutions, and it has absolutely nothing to do with civil rights. The scale has been tipped to a crazy point. And while whites could never dream of advocating the mass murder of blacks, the carpetbaggers from New York can go on the air and spill their filth with no fear of reprisal. The carpetbaggers baggers are exactly what they are. After the War of the Northern Aggression was completed, hordes of white and black northerners ran to Texas to buy or steal whatever they wanted. They think this is the same situation. Al Sharpton could give a rat's ass about black rights, but he sure likes breakfast in the country club. And it's the same in Africa, where children block, walk the streets with flies in their eyes while the leadership six, sips cocktails in air-conditioned limos. Black people and Muslims will follow the strongman. They have the tribal view of society. That is how they survive. They work for simple solutions to complex problems, and when they can't see a quick fix, they riot. We have to accept this. We are required to make the difference between good blacks and bad blacks. But the radicals in the black community put all of us in one pot. And they do this because they are aware of the cultural differences between us and the willingness of the majority of blacks to, quote, follow the leader, whomever that leader may be. They vote Democrat over and over. They get robbed blind. But they do get an Obama phone. So how do we fix this? First of all, well, they're not as organized as they would like to appear. The riots are just that. Well, they're riots. They're stealing TV sets from looted stores. And that's not mounting an action on a position. Next, their leaders are capitalistic cowards. They're in it for the money. They're not Dr. King. All those black shirt sunglasses and mean look a show. A single bullet in the air and they scatter. The problem is we consistently believe we pay taxes and have police for these things while they're trying to dissemble because there is no law enforcement. Or if it is, it's hindered and law enforcement has to make a run for it. Not to bring down or change a government, but to kill, steal, and destroy. Wilbur goes on and said, we must have law enforcement's back. There is no other, no other option. All that stands between us and Uganda is a thin blue line. And right now, that line is being killed while they're gassing up their cars. Forget everything else you ever heard about Rouge cops. We can address that later. As you see an officer in jeopardy, if you see an officer in jeopardy, you need to get involved. If you see him putting gas in his car, just hang around. Let him know that you're there and you're on his side. Let him know you got your, he's got your back. In fact, my son carries cards around, and if he sees a cop any place getting a hamburger or getting gas, he hands him a card and says, uh, I'll just hang out here and kind of keep an eye out for you while you enjoy your dinner or fill your car with gas, officer. So uh, if you have a gun, carry it. If you don't, you can still carry concealed in your car here in Texas anyway. I don't know about uh, where you might be. But our police must know that as a society, we stand with them. Next, we have to stop the new Black Panthers and Black Lives Matter in their tracks by all means necessary. The people must know there is a cost for their actions and for their words. You don't just call for 10,000 killers to eradicate all white people and expect Texas to just stand by and have a beer, do you? When they get off the plane in their get-up, go strolling through the airport and just make it a bad hair day for them. Let them know they're not welcome here in Texas. 
The Texas militia, for instance, is made up of many components. We need a central command. Sam Houston had the same problem. William Travis had the problem. The command was split between himself and Bowie. He said, we need to march to a different drummer. This will also lead to the eventual independence of Texas. Yes. Americans have created this problem, and their cities will burn, but not if we play it right. Good, responsible black Texans need to feel secure. We are not rioters. We're not looters. They are not the enemy, and the color of their skin doesn't make them a problem. There's no room for racism in this event, and it is going to be an event. It is already happening. The uh, terrorist that killed Officer Goforth just a few blocks from the studio should have been dead before he finished firing. Unfortunately, that day there was no armed citizen present. Police officer was by himself. He had no help. The good news is Texas is a vast land. The Yankee insurrectionists think Texas is mainly urban like the Northeast. Texas ranges from the pines of East Texas to the deserts of West Texas and to the border on the Rio Grande. Ask them how much black lives matter. They're not nice people down there. The main attack will be in Houston because that demographic more closely resembles New York, Chicago, Dallas, or San Antonio. It's not going to happen in El Paso, though. It's not going to happen in Lampasas, San Saba, or Sweetwater. The militias in Houston must be particularly alert. In the interest of full disclosure, guys, I am an active militia member. Remember... Tribal, follow the leader, blind riots. Houston is a tinderbox for this. And the mayor is a person who doesn't even know which restroom to use, much less how to quell 10,000 confused people burning and smashing. Texas will survive this, but we have to move decisively. We have to let the carpet-bagging opportunistic race baiters know that their actions will not be tolerated in Texas. And finally, when it's all over... We must clean up the remaining pools of ideology that started this in the first place. We must stop the genocide of planned infanticide, the perversion of marriage. We must educate all people so that we never have to do this again. There are black people who think Dr. King freed the slaves. It's time to stop laughing and start teaching. This time can be a total disaster or a shining Texas example of what the Founding Fathers meant when they said all men are created equal. Let's make them truly equal. Once again, Wilbur Witt, he says things like no one else can say it. And that's just one of the reasons why I love Wilbur Witt. I appreciate everything he does because he's got this unique way of cutting through, you know, kind of like what is the Gordian knot? Yeah, he's got this unique way of cutting through that Gordian knot. And I I just kind of love it. I just kind of love the way that he does it. Um, hard to beat, quite frankly. So anyway, i got a, a few minutes remaining here on the Doc Green Show. I want to thank you guys for being with me uh, on the Doc Green Show today. I'd like to ask you once again to share it with your friends. Hashtag Amazing Doc Green Show. And just prop that up and let everybody know the YouTube channel is there. Everything I do is archived on it. And uh, let's let's get everybody involved in this thing. Gonna hit you with a tune here. See if anybody knows who that is. 
By the way, we want to thank the SelfDefenseFund.com for sponsoring this show today as we broadcast from the SelfDefenseFund.com studios. SelfDefenseFund.com. Even if you don't carry a weapon, you need it. Because if you defend yourself in your house, you got a baseball bat and a guy breaks in the window and you break his legs, you're going to have to defend yourself in court. And if you have SelfDefenseFund.com, you will be defended. It will not cost you money out of your pocket. Through my veins, you know that try and drag me back to work again. Pain and blisters on my mind and hands. Work all day making up a nickel bags and a... SelfDefenseFund.com. There's no cap on attorney's fees and up to a million dollars for extras. They are the litigation junkyard dog attorneys, and it doesn't matter what state of the union you're in, they will protect you. And let's say you want to protect you and your wife. $17.50 a month does it, guys. About half the price of the next closest thing that will not defend you against everything like Self-Defense Fund will. SelfDefenseFund.com, guys. Get it today. I have it. Be sure to use promo code DOC when you sign up on SoftDefenseFund.com. Thank <laughs> you. 
was waiting for somebody in the chat room to name that band. I got no answers. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Melody Cedarstrom, and you're listening to Financial Survival, and I'm here with my co-host, Alfred Annis, to bring you our opinion and commentary on today's economic and political events. And today is Tuesday, July 12th, 
2016. Good afternoon, Al. Oh, Melody. Well, it was a bloody day in gold today, down 2190, 2190 for gold at 1333.70. Still not bad for the year, just a rough couple of days that we've been having. Silver's down 20 cents today. It was strong most of the day. Uh, came in with a little bit of a reversal near the end of the day, 2016. Platinum was down 11 bucks at 1093. And palladium was up two at $631. The USDX today, I would imagine it was, uh, oh, it was down slightly, 0.4 at 96.50. Crude oil was up 1.95 at 46.71. And of course, all the paper markets today. Let me bring that up here quickly. The Dow was up 120 points at 18,347. The NASDAQ was up 34 points today at 5,022. The S&P was up 14 at 2,152. 10-year yield, everybody was uh, pulling out of those. Everything in the world is just happy again. We're going to be talking about bubbles today. And the global equities is probably one of the biggest bubbles out there. But 10-year yield, 1.51%. The euro is still holding in there at 111. And, of course, all the, the world markets uh, were, were very joyous uh, overnight. And, um, you know, the global equities are pretty much back where they were before the U.K. voted for Brexit. Um, you have uh, Japan's uh, prime minister. He won an election, and he says he's ready to order some fresh stimulus um, you have England, you have London in England, you have the country, Britain. Um, they have a new prime minister. We talked about that yesterday. So, you know, a lot of these uh, uncertainties uh, and uh, we're beginning to see, you know, that you know, confidence come back in, into these markets. Um, so a lot of this uncertainty was resolved. Um, by a lot of this news. And of course, we also had our huge job report on Friday. <laughs> But there's a continuation uh, from uh, of a strong reaction from that. And uh, so you have, um, I guess you would call that optimism, Al. Well, you know, there was a false pessimism that afflicted the markets after the Brexit vote in the first place. Now, I've said several times on the program, nothing's actually happened so far relative to the British exit. Nothing's happened other than they took a vote. No, and the exit might not play, take place. Nothing official has happened in the sense of nothing actual has happened. Everybody's panicked on the situation, but all they did in England is take a vote, and there has been a huge reaction. It was overreaction, and now they're now they are perhaps correcting from that initial overreaction. Well, there were still seven funds that were shut down. You still do have the impacts in the various parts of it. Yeah, but the reason they were shut down was not I get because that. of the vote. It was because but of the people But it was, a, but it, was a, it was the confidence that was lost. And we, you and I talk about confidence on this program all the time. And you have a little breeze. They don't have that, confidence. They don't have confidence in England, Melody. They have stiff upper lips. Is that what they have? That's what they have. Mm, they have, the they, the instead of considering the confidence factor, mm-hmm. They consider the stiff upper lip factor. Well, the rest of the world um, 
will show confidence. But uh, but anyway, that was uh, you know the global markets are are uh, you know hey well, you know the markets here are hitting highs, and I think we're going to see some pressure on gold. But I still think we're going to be higher at the end of the year than where we are today. Uh, 13, even if we're not, even if we're not. Right now, we're up 26% for the year. Absolutely. All right. If they, gold doesn't gain a nickel in the balance of the year, this has still been a great year for gold. It is. That's what I said earlier. Uh, it is a great. Silver's doing fantastic, uh, even if we remain uh, keep these levels. But, you know, nothing goes straight up. We're going to have pullbacks. We're going to go up and down. And you want a little bit of that volatility as we go up. You know, anything that goes straight up is sure to come down a little bit. So uh, this is a good sign to see a little bit of a pullback. Uh, 1340 was an important number. Now we'll look at 1320. But again, it's not all about the price of gold and silver. And that's what you have to remember. Sure, if we can buy it a couple of dollars uh, less, it's good for you. That's fine. But, uh, you know, you can't focus so much on the prices. You just have to get in there and you have to start purchasing. People Based try, on? Based on? People try and time the markets. Well, the idea is to really follow can. the trend. See if you can pick up on what the trend is likely to be. And if you can, then the price is irrelevant if you are accurate in assessing what the trend is likely to be. Is the price of gold likely to go up significantly over the course of the next 6, 12, 20 months? I answer is, uh, I'd say yes. And if that's correct, then you buy now, whatever the price is. You buy now and you sit on it for 6, 12, 20 months. Huh? And, you know, on this program, we talk a lot about bubbles. And uh, the term bubble in reference to a financial crisis originated early in the 1700s. It was the British South Sea bubble. This is one of the earliest modern financial crises. This metaphor indicated that the prices of the stock were inflated and fragile, based on nothing but air, vulnerable to a sudden burst, and it did. A uh, bubble, a rapid expansion, followed by a contraction. Trade in an asset at a price that deviates from the corresponding asset's intrinsic value. Today, we are going to discuss the granddaddy of all bubbles, the global government finance bubble. Um, and we're going to discuss this granddaddy of all bubbles with Today's guest, Doug Noland. Uh, Doug Noland, for 16 years, has written his blog, Credit Bubble Bulletin, and has 25 years of financial industry experience. And I would like to welcome Doug Noland to the program. Hi. Thanks a lot for having me on today. Appreciate it. Uh, I also want to introduce you to my co-host, Alfred Adisk. Hello, Doug. Hi. I was impressed by your, your list of questions. <laughs> I might use on the program. It really reads like the curriculum for for a semester of college economics. Um, there's more there than we're going to get to in a single program, I'm sure. But it was it really was a well done outline. I mean, I can see the I can see the thinking that went that goes that went into it. And, uh, well, let's get to some of those it. topics. And, and I would like to throw in it. Maybe that when I wrote that, you caught me in an unusual mood because usually I say when it comes to questions, I prefer easy ones. But anyway, so. <laughs> well, I don't think my list was a lot of easy ones, but <laughs> we'll try. A lot of interesting ones. I prefer interesting ones to easy mm -hmm. ones, but let's see what we can get out of this. Why don't you tell us how it began, how the blog well, began? You know how the blog began. It, um, I guess my first interest in bubbles or in macroeconomic analysis, I, you know, I had been a CPA in Portland, Oregon.
Oregon, uh, moved down to Southern California for greener pastures, got a job at uh, Toyota's headquarters down in Los Angeles uh, in their treasury department uh, back in 1986, 1987. And, you know, I was sitting on a fixed income trading desk when the stock market crashed in 1987. And during that whole period, you know, management at Toyota was very concerned about the bubble in Japan. They were concerned about it in, you know, in 1986, and, you know, it kept going and didn't burst until, you know, 1990. But I, I was hooked on the analysis starting then, uh, went back and got my MBA and then uh, took a job with the hedge fund and then started reading the work of Dr. Kurt Rischebosher back in 1990, uh, the late, great Dr. Rischebosher, a uh, German economist, a uh, wonderful economist. And I uh, studied his work and started reading as much as I could studied the markets. The markets were doing uh, profound things. You know, I watched the impaired banking system from, from the early 1990s more transform into this new age credit system that was fueling this prosperity and bull market. And by the late 1990s, I was convinced there was a really incredible story out there that nobody was focused on. So I started my blog. Uh, I was working with the Prudent Bear Fund. I started my blog back in 1999 and uh, try, to, try to write about it every, every Friday um, <laughs> over all these years. So when everyone else is having fun on Fridays, I'm writing my blog, but that's okay. <laughs> what is a bubble? A lot of people hear us, hear people, we, we hear people talk about it on a regular basis, but how do you define a bubble and what, what, what fills the bubble? What inflates the bubble? Sure, yeah, great question. I try to keep it pretty simple because the bubbles, you know, you can have all different kinds of bubbles, but let's say a bubble is a self-reinforcing yet unsustainable inflation. So generally you have a price inflation that, uh, and it's self-reinforcing. You can have though, uh, right, we've seen bubbles in technology stocks and home prices and stocks. Uh, we've also seen you can have bubbles in economies where you have an inflation of price levels throughout the economy, but underlying all of these, whether it's in the economy or in securities or in, in real estate or other, uh, you know, it can be fine art. Um, it's always an expansion of credit. There's some underlying monetary inflation and expansion of credit, which is basically the creation of new purchasing power and it's inflating some asset and, as asset prices go up, obviously people get excited about that. They want to participate. So a lot of times they'll borrow money and buy that inflating asset, and that leads the price to go up even more, and it just feeds on itself. And, but as I say, it, it, at the end of the day, unfortunately, it's unsustainable, and when bubbles burst, uh, they can cause a lot of grief, as, as we certainly saw back in 2008-2009. Are there, are there different phases in a bubble that you can recognize? Um, yeah, there, there, there are, and I'll tell you, the thing with the bubble analysis is there's a lot of layers of complexity. Um, I like to look at, you know, my analysis uh, goes back, uh, this is the third major bubble that I've, that I've analyzed and chronicled. Um, the first bubble, you know, they, they, we refer to it as the tech bubble, the NASDAQ bubble, but it also incorporated corporate debt. Um, and they usually, you know, these bubbles start out uh, usually in a period of fear, and then asset prices start to grow or start to inflate and credit starts to grow and you gain momentum. 
and, and the more momentum they gain, uh, the more difficult they are to control. Uh, through much of the inflating bubble, um, the fundamentals look sound. Part of my analysis, I, I know a lot of people will say, well, it's not a bubble because the price earnings ratio is not that extreme. The valuations are not extreme. In my analysis, valuation is, is not much of an issue because I always argue that the credit, the underlying credit growth inflates the fundamentals. So the fundamentals kind of uh, inflate along with the bubble. So things look, look good. They grow together. And then at the late stage of the bubble, which I refer to as the terminal phase, that's when they become very difficult to, to control. Central bankers at this point often try to kind of lean against the wind. They, they don't want to burst the bubble, but they want to slow it. But by then, the bubble has too much momentum. And then there's also a dynamic where everyone basically has to participate. You can't sit and watch your neighbor get rich, right? That, that causes too much angst. And then you get the, the, the enormous flows that come in at the end of the bubble that kind of marks the end of it. Uh, but they also become very unstable and and uh, chaotic at the end. Uh, certainly saw that I, after the technology bubble burst, then had the Fed reflate the next bubble, which was in mortgage finance. Um, and we saw, you know, excesses in mortgage finance. We had double-digit mortgage credit growth for a number of years. And, you know, by the time you get to 2006, you, you have a trillion dollars worth of subprime collateralized debt obligations, CDOs, these sophisticated credit instruments that were just kind of egregious that ended up all blowing up. But that's the kind of thing that happens towards the end of the cycle. Uh, because all the money's coming in, everybody's excited, and, and things kind of get out of hand. I've argued that we're now in the, what I refer to as the global government finance bubble. And I do have an archive, not that I <laughs> suggest anyone goes back and reads my archives, but I warned of, began warning of the mortgage finance bubble back in 2002, uh, uh, in early 2002. And then I started, uh, I thought the, the whole credit bubble had burst in 2008. But then in, uh, I think it was April of 2009, because of the nature of the policy response, fiscal and monetary, I began warning of the, the possibility of a global government finance bubble, where basically the whole U.S. bubble goes global, and it goes into all the different asset classes. And that's why I referred to it as the granddaddy of all bubbles. And actually, it's gone to much greater extremes than I even thought imaginable uh, you know, when I started worrying about it back in 2009. When you talk about bubbles, you said that they start with fear. And what that rings to my bell, it rings my bell in this regard. If, if something, if there's fear in the air, does that mean the government steps in in order to offset that fear? They create these bubbles. Are they typically natural, a natural phenomena in economics, or are they artificial and man-made? Well, that's a great question. What great question, Alfred. Um, and Alan Greenspan made some comments about this just a couple of weeks back that I noted in, in one of my bulletins where, you know, he was, he, he and I agreed with him, he, he, he was saying the Fed's economic models do not, uh, do not um, work effectively at all as far as the financial area. They do not incorporate this important bubble dynamic. And it's Alan Greenspan's view that bubbles are just kind of a human, di you know, human dynamic human nature. We get too excited and, you know, we take things to excess. Well, my argument is <laughs> that might be true, but the government involvement in the, in the marketplace is the key to these bubbles. I would argue you cannot have a long 
or a prolonged major bubble without a significant government involvement. If you look back at the technology bubble, why did it get so out of hand? Because the Fed collapsed interest rates, they manipulated the yield curve, they bailed out Mexico, and Mexico collapsed in, in the 1994 and 1995. There were more bailouts. Then there was in 1998, there was the bailout of Russia and long-term capital management. So at that point, everyone knew, okay, the, you know, the Fed in, in Washington is not going to allow a financial crisis. So everyone dove into tech stocks. Uh, the whole mortgage finance bubble was about the mispricing of mortgage finance because of the aggressive involvement of Fannie and Freddie with their government back, backing in the, in the mortgage market. Uh, and I would argue that the latest bubble is because of you know the QE, the, the unprecedented printing of money, the adding liquidity in the markets, the perception that the policymakers will do whatever it takes to not allow a recession or a financial crisis. So in that back- can they, I'll tell you what, we're going to have to stop here. Uh, Doug, we'll take a break, and we will be right back with Doug Noland from creditbubblebulletin.blogspot.com, and we will please stay tuned. We'll be right back. count high half of all men over 50 have an enlarged prostate you can shrink your prostate without harmful drugs or risky surgery the secret to healing the prostate is to cleanse the prostate and the liver call apothecary herbs to ask about the prostate kit for a comprehensive way to heal and soothe your prostate educate yourself on how easy it can be to disinfect cleanse and restore your prostate gland call apothecary herbs for the prostate kit and successfully reduce swelling inflammation dissolve stones and cleanse the blood to obtain the results you need. Money-back guarantee with every purchase. Call the experts in organ cleansing. Call Apothecary Herbs now for the prostate kit and empower yourself. Toll-free 866-229-3663 or international callers 704-875-8010. That's toll-free 866-229-3663 or visit the web at thepowerherbs.com. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. 
American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Folks, I'm Alfred Adister with Melody Cedarstrom on financial survival with our guest Greg Noland from creditbubblebulletin.blogspot.com. But if you just look up Credit Bubble Bulletin, you'll find him. All right, he's uh, the blog has been up for 16 years, and he has great understanding and insight on bubbles. When we left, uh, for the last set of commercials, Greg was talking about we had three major bubbles. We've had the tech stock bubble, we've had the mortgage finance bubble, and now we have what Greg, or excuse me, Doug describes as a global government finance bubble. Is government creating these bubbles intentionally, or does government create these bubbles intentionally, or do they just try to deal with them once they appear? Well, I think they've, you know, they've been fighting what they call the risks of deflation, depression going all the way back to the 1987 stock market crash. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's funny now, you, you, we used to refer to it as the decade of greed, and that was the late 80s excesses, which now in hindsight look almost trivial. But those excesses after you know, the Fed added liquidity for the stock market crash, they led to uh, a boom and bust that had the banking system impaired in the early 1990s. And the Greenspan Fed responded to that by manipulating the yield curve and basically supporting the growth of securitization, supporting the growth of Fannie and Freddie and Wall Street Finance to help support the system because the banking system was impaired. And since then, it's just been one boom and bust after another. And the way the bubbles work, if you have a bursting bubble, if you want to reflate the system, which is always the goal of, of the central bank, apparently, you need a bigger bubble. So again, when tech tech bubble burst, they had mortgage finance that was already growing rapidly. That was a, you know, they could stimulate the housing markets and, and, you know, grow the economy through uh, cheap mortgage finance. Um, And that got away from them, just got completely away from them. And and central bankers clearly never want to pierce a bubble. They want to lean, you know, they want to tighten a little bit and hope that works, and it never does. So I think this just got away from them a long time ago. And now it's to the point where, you know, the, the, this QE is, globally at least, is, is kind of under, out of control, but they don't have any other solution than to keep trying to keep securities markets and asset prices levitated. But all bur- bubbles do burst, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I, call, I call this the granddaddy of all bubbles, um, specifically because this bubble has gone to the heart of money and credit. It has gone to central bank credit and to treasury debt, government debt globally. That's the heart of what people believe are safe and liquid assets. And 
a little theory here that might be helpful. Money can be very dangerous. It can be very dangerous. My definition of money is a financial asset, and, and I'm, not, I'm excluding gold only for this example, but it's a financial asset that people trust. They believe it's a liquid store of value. So if they trust it, it's dangerous because it can be issued in excess because there's insatiable demand for this so-called money. And governments can use that insatiable demand to issue a lot of money, which we've seen. And I've argued, you know, if you had a bubble in junk bonds, that bubble is not going to get out of hand because you can only issue so many junk bonds and the market's going to say, no, thank you. We, we got enough of that debt. We, we don't want any more of that. Give them government credit. Give them central bank credit. They'll take as much as uh, offered in the marketplace. Why money's dangerous, and there's plenty of examples of this historically, is it's issued in excess, and at the end of the day, there's a crisis of confidence in the wealth, uh, you know, the inherent wealth of that money. And when that crisis comes, when this bubble cracks, uh, that's when we're going to have significant problems because people may not trust central bank credit, they may not trust government debt. And after that, I don't know where the next bubble is to inflate. We're kind of at the end of the road here. If we are always, if bubbles always end badly, and that's what seems to be the, the case, you can, if there's been a successful bubble, you can tell us about that. But if they always end badly, why does government fail to learn that lesson? And why does government apparently keep promoting more bubbles? Uh, it's been incredibly frustrating for me to watch and to chronicle this over the years uh, because so many innocent people suffer from this. Um, I, I wish I had a good answer. Uh, clearly, the, the doctrine that central bankers follow is flawed. I call it inflationism. Uh, there is this view that no matter how big your debt mountain is, how big your severe your debt problems are, you can inflate the general price level and inflate away your previous debt excesses. Um, and candidly, um, a lot, you know, people believe this because they say, hey, we have 30 years of history here of these booms and busts, and we always get out of them. And in Greenspan's interview on Bloomberg a couple of weeks ago, he, he made the comment, he said, bubbles are not toxic. And he said, if you go back after the 1987 stock market crash and look in the GDP data, you can't even see that the bubble burst. He said the same thing about NASDAQ. Well, my argument to that is they just reflated the next bubble, and they haven't paid the price yet because this has been accumulating now for, for almost 30 years. And, and there's a you know, very good analysis that goes back and talks about, you know, the roaring 20s and that bubble. That's the only one that has, you know, similar parallel to this. You know, that bubble started with, you know, the inflation of World War One, and then, you know, really gathered momentum in the 1990s in, or in the 1920s, the roaring 20s, until, until everything blew up in 1929. So... Uh, these bubbles are toxic, but they can they can persevere for a long time if the government gets increasingly involved in the marketplace. What's the difference between a modern bubble and the Dutch tulip mania from the 1600s? Um, Was that just another bubble? <laughs> this is just a lot bigger. Um, what I would argue here is that we've never had global finance where you had unlimited money, unlimited liquidity. 
You've always had restraints on the creation of money and credit historically. It either goes back to the gold standard, where the gold standard restrained money and credit growth, or even more recently, uh, you know, when, where you have bank credit dominates your credit growth, your credit system, and bank lending is restrained by capital requirements and reserve requirements. And I I'm, apologize, this is kind of technical. But what has changed, and it changed back in the 1990s, we decided we'll move away from bank credit, we'll do securitization. And there's no restraint, restraint whatsoever on securitization. We just can create as much of these new market-based IOUs as possible. And the securitization boom, derivative boom, market boom has all gone global. So this is like tulip mania, but it encompasses the whole world and all the asset classes. And let's keep in mind, really what we're talking about, we're not talking even about tulips. We're talking about electronic debits and credits here. Contemporary money and credit is electronic debits and credits. And unfortunately, backing a lot of it is, is nothing but a central bank promise or you know, a government promises to pay the money back. Which is nothing but a debt instrument. Uh, it implies that bubbles are ultimately inflated by debt. Is that accurate? Is that, a, is that a roughly correct? Yeah. It is absolutely yeah. There's always an underlying debt source, a monetary inflation. Debt is growing. And again, this is getting too technical, but I think it's important. Later on in the cycle, when people get nervous, that's when they say, wait, I don't want the junk bonds. I don't want the risky corporate debt. I don't want the risky mortgage debt. To keep the bubble going, you need to create credit that people trust that they think is safe, and that's when the government gets involved. And that's what we've seen over the last seven years. You know, just massive inflation of government credit, again, the central banks and the, and the, uh, the actual uh, governments themselves issuing debt, unlike anything we've ever seen in history. There, there's a myth that we've somehow deleveraged. Uh, we haven't deleveraged at all. We've just kept growing, growing government debt and central banks' balance sheet. As we produce more debt, We've really doubled the national debt, more than doubled it uh, in the Obama administration. As we produce more debt, does that necessarily cause an increasing number of ordinary citizens to say, wait a second, the government's so deep in debt, I don't think it can repay that debt. And therefore, I'm not going to trust their attempts to create new credit. I'm not going to trust their debt promises. I'm not going to fall for a bubble. Yeah, and, and that's true. And there's another aspect of bubbles that kind of uh, dovetails into your, your comments, Alfred, is bubbles are really an increase in perceived wealth and, more importantly, a reduced distribution of wealth. Mm -hmm. so the economy today here in the U.S., if you look at society here, if you look at Britain and Brexit, you look in Europe, people are unhappy because they see the inequitable redistribution of wealth here, right? So people don't trust the Fed, they don't trust government, they don't trust their institutions because of a system that they know is not fair. Because it's not, right? It's not fair. And people play along for a while. They, when, the, when the bubble is inflating, I, I say the economic pie is getting larger. When the economic pie is perceived to be getting larger, people will work together, they'll cooperate, they'll integrate, because it's in everybody's best self-interest to cooperate, because everyone can get wealthier. But when the bubble cracks, then the perceptions are that the bubble starts to shrink. So yesterday's partner is today's competitor, and you have 
disintegrate, you know, dis, uh, disintegration, the lack of cooperation. That's what we're seeing in Europe. That's mm-hmm. what we're seeing mm-hmm. in the And to me, it's all about the, the root cause is this massive, unprecedented inflation of money and credit, yet it gets very, very little attention. It's, it's rather astounding to me that somehow the central bankers come clean on, on this and that they're seen somehow as part of the solution rather than uh, the root of the problem. Well, there's, there's a lot of people getting wealthy on this, so they're just turning a blind eye to what is going on. I, 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 and my question is, how long can governments continue? I mean, will they create a bubble to exceed this bubble? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine that's even possible. It, I, they, they clearly will do, and they've said as much, they will do whatever it takes to sustain this, they don't call it a bubble, but I'll call it a bubble, to sustain these rising asset prices and the economic recovery. Um, and as we see, right, the, a lot of the wealthy are doing extremely well in this environment, um, and most of the workers, unfortunately, are, are suffering. And I, I always figure for the, you know, for the rest of my career, I, I'm going to have to defend capitalism. Uh, I'll even defend globalization. Uh, because I don't think either of those are the problem. They're not the real problem. I think capitalism works ex- exceptionally well, except in an environment of unlimited cheap money. Unlimited which cheap is money. to say, which implies that capitalism is a function of something like gold and silver, where the government can't simply spin this stuff out of thin air. When they can spin it out of thin air, then we have a problem. It becomes irrational. Yes, and the price, the price mechanisms are not going to function well, right? We provided mm-hmm. unlimited mortgage credit at a cheap and declining price, right? If you had a limited amount of finance, all of a sudden you have big demand for mortgage borrowing, the cost is going to go up, and that will restrain uh, the demand. That's the way capitalism is supposed to work. Capitalism cannot function well with, if central banks are going to manipulate interest rates and and inject all of this liquidity. And globalization, I would argue, I, I'm all for free trade, fair trade, but I do not like trade where you trade IOUs for goods and services. Mm-hmm. I don't like U.S. running perpetual current account deficits because what we're doing is we're injecting dollar liabilities. We're injecting this so-called money out into the world, right, and feeding this, feeding this bubble throughout the whole world. If we were trading goods for goods, it would be a totally different trade backdrop. We would have to produce a lot of things. We would employ more people. Maybe some of the goods wouldn't be quite as cheap as, as the inexpensive goods we can import from China. Well, that's a sacrifice you make for having a more stable system with a more stable society. But our wages would be higher, though, too. Uh, and, and it could be. I, I would expect yeah. it would. Yeah. yeah. Which is not a bad thing. Uh, uh, no. I mean, we could get along well paying, while the rest of the world is paying a dollar an hour, we could get along well paying $30 an hour if our market was confined and we were selling back and forth to each other. I mean, that may be, that might not be true. You can tell me if you think you agree with that or not, but at least it seems plausible. When we go into this global market, you're going to wind up, ordinary people are going to have to compete at the minimum wage level. And it can't be good for people. It would be better for everybody to make 30 bucks an hour than, 
than for everybody to make $5 an hour. I don't think it's going to work. And maybe I'm mistaken about that, and you can correct me if you think I'm mistaken. Well, I think there are, there are you know, significant advantages, advantages to global trade. But if you open up unlimited finance, and basically China has an open checkbook to invest as much as they want in manufacturing capacity, you're going to have a huge problem, right? You're going to have massive oversupply of, of goods, uh, which will distort you know, pricing throughout the global economy, the, uh, people's incomes, uh, trade relationships. So I, you know, I, I just this unlimited finance is, is a huge problem. Well, let's take a break for a couple more commercials, and we will be back with our guest, Doug Nolan, from Credit Bubble Bulletin dot blogspot.com back in a moment please stay tuned to financial survival i'm alfred addis here with melody cedarstrom we'll be right back or relationship problems have you feeling stressed out? When life is too much to handle, use Apothecary Herbs Emotional Stress Formula. Feel calm and more in control with herbs especially combined to provide the organic nutrition your system needs to help you cope. Complete instructions for maximum benefit and a money-back guarantee. You've waited long enough. Call Apothecary Herbs now. Toll free 866-229-3663. That's 866 866- 229-3663. International callers dial 704-875-8010 or order online at the 3w's.thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedarstrom on Financial Survival with our guest Doug Noland from creditbubblebulletin.blogspot.com. All you need is Credit Bubble Bulletin. Google it, you'll find you'll find uh, uh, Doug's uh, website. Um, 
under your heading, general discussion of bubbles, you've got a section C that says the more conspicuous, the less systemic. Now, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but I think what you mean is this. If we can clearly see a bubble and it is conspicuous, it's a small bubble. The big bubbles, I think you're implying that are, that are systemic, are virtually invisible and almost impossible to see, perhaps until it's too late to do anything about them. Am I understanding that correctly or not? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's fascinating. Um, the easiest example to, to kind of visualize is uh, the technology bubble. It was spectacular, right? At the time, it, you know, there were a lot of talk of tulip bulbs and, and things. Um, but it was relatively narrow in scope. Even in the stock market, it was narrow in scope. And the, the effect on the, the economy was narrow in scope. So when the technology bubble burst, uh, it was relatively easy to, to uh, stimulate an economic recovery from that. The next bubble, mortgage finance. It was much less obvious, right? People, uh, very few people, in hindsight, they say they saw the bubble, but very few, few people thought it was a bubble. But it had a much more uh, profound impact on the underlying incomes, spending, investment patterns in the whole economy. So when that bubble burst, it had a dramatic economic impact, dramatic. Uh, and I would argue this bubble um, I mean, I hear it all the time, Doug, where's the bubble? Where's the bubble? And I, I say, oh, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It's in uh, government debt, it's in corporate debt, it's in stocks, it's in real estate, it's in the U.S., it's in emerging markets, and it's global. But because it is so systemic, because it's basically everywhere at this point, uh, people don't, don't see the, what they believe are the traditional signs of, of bubble excess. Does that imply that if this bubble is invisible, can it be sustained indefinitely? Will it be sustained until people finally sort of pick up and say, hey, wait a second, is that a bubble over there? And does, it, uh, does the bubble only pop when we see it? I mean, this is like, this is like the experiments in, in physics where the electron is at a particular location. It depends on whether you're watching it or not, whether or not it's at a, at a particular location. Um, is something like that happening with bubbles? Well, let's think back to the mortgage finance bubble. And in June of, of 2007, that's when we started to see the problems in subprime. And you had Bear Stearns close a couple of their funds for withdrawals, and you started to see a lot of pressure in, in the prices of uh, subprime mortgages. And, and then not too long later, you saw the impact on home prices. But throughout that, uh, people didn't think it was a crisis. They said, oh, subprime is relatively small. And the Fed aggressively started cutting interest rates. So you had a strong stock market respond to that, and you had you know oil surged to $145. So you had all of these signs of, of what, what looked like uh, you know, an inflating bubble. But the bottom line was the bubble had been pierced in spring of 07, and it just took a while for it to build into a crisis because people all of a sudden didn't trust that mortgage credit. I would argue, and, and again, that bubble didn't become noticeably uh, bursting until the failure of Lehman. I would argue the global bubble has cracks now. We've seen the collapse in energy prices. We've seen significant pain and, and junk debt of energy companies. We've seen the emerging markets struggle. We've seen the Chinese stock market bubble burst. 
We've seen global bank stock prices decline dramatically, and we've seen unprecedented declines in sovereign yields, which all indicate an underlying instability, which I'll add, we saw a similar dynamic in 2007 where you had a huge rally in treasury bonds that everyone dismissed. But that was, you know, treasury market had it sniffed out in 2007 that we were heading towards trouble. And I think sovereign debt has it sniffed out today. So I don't think this can go on for forever because I think we're already seeing cracks. And right now we're seeing these desperate measures by the central bankers that, that will not work, uh, but it does prolong you know, this, what I call the, you know, the terminal phase of excess. How does 12 trillion in negative yields affect the derivative markets if it does? Well, Melody, that's a great question. Um, let's, let's, uh, first of all, we'll, we'll accept that government debt globally is the largest market in the world. Mm-hmm. We know that interest rate derivatives are in the hundreds of trillions. By far, we're talking the largest uh, markets in the world. And we know these derivatives are contracts based on expectations of what interest rates might do and all these sophisticated uh, changes in the yield curve and spreads and such. But we know that hundreds of trillions of dollars of contracts were basically entered into and then something happened in the treasury market that no one could have foreseen, right? No one thought that German bond yields could go to negative 20 basis points and you could have you know, $12 trillion worth of negative yielding bonds. So I think, and there's no transparency here, I think there are huge embedded problems now in the fixed income derivative marketplace. And I think it's feeding on itself and, uh, and has led to this collapse in yields and the, the sinking of, of these bank stocks out there. And I think people would be advised to pay attention to what these sovereign yields and bank stocks are telling us. Are we riding a tiger that we can't dismount without being eaten? I mean, if it was, has it gone so far that we are just, it's just a matter of time before a terrible price is uh, required to be paid? And um, I don't like to sound like a wacko. I am a very serious analyst. Um, a lot of the data I use, I, I get from the Federal Reserve. I always have. Um, this has absolutely followed my worst, uh, the, you know, the worst I could have imagined, and I'm very fearful. I was very worried back in 2007, very worried. I knew we were heading into a major, major financial collapse, and I've got the archives up on my website. Um, but I was not worried about global geopolitics. I wasn't. I didn't have the same worries as I do today. Again, bubbles are about a redistribution of wealth, and we've done that globally now. And there will be consequences. We've already seen the tension rising uh, significantly in the world, and and so I'm I'm really worried. And I hope people laugh at my analysis in the future, and that I'm dead wrong. I'm too dire. I have an eight-year-old son, so I'm not sure. You know, I, I just hope I'm. I hope I'm wrong. You know, you talk about in, you talk about bubbles being uh, a mechanism for redistribution of wealth. Is that part of the reason why none dare call it bubbles? So long as the bubbles are generating a profit, at least for the people at the top, they're close to the media, they're close to the, well, the you know, the various outlets and the rest of it. They're not going to complain as long as the wealth 
is moving in their direction, they're not going to call it a bubble. Is that why? Do you think that's part of the reason why we, we don't see the bubbles? They're not brought to our attention by people in positions to pay attention and have the enough knowledge where they can see this. Oh, yeah, this is a bubble. No, I'm not going to say it's a bubble because I'm making money off of it. As long as I'm making money, I'm not going to call it a bubble. Right. And, and this economic structure, this financial structure, uh, works for some people, obviously. Uh, yeah. and, and those people are wealthier and they have more access to the media. And it, it's almost like there's two parallel worlds out there. There's the world that people want to believe is real, that the media mm-hmm. buys into, that central bankers have this under control, that this actually makes sense that the markets make sense. And there's this other world where this is crazy. This makes no Reality. sense at all. And, and I think more and more people are moving over saying this is crazy. And finally, the majority of voters in the UK made it, you know, could make a decision. And now people accept the fact that half the population, even in the U.S., you know, they don't trust the system, right? They, 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 uh, and and that, that's frightening to have your society not, not trust, you know, capitalism, not trust uh, policymaking, Washington, uh, not trust each other. When you say that the system is somewhat crazy, are you saying that bubbles themselves are off in this irrational world? Are they, are they crazy, inherently crazy? There is a manic uh, aspect to bubbles, absolutely, because... People are making a lot of money. Um, let's look at the hedge fund industry for a while. And I, and I worked in the hedge fund industry. I have nothing against the outside of it. It's fascinating. Uh, you know, people are making billions of dollars. They are incentivized to take leverage positions and play the asset markets, securities markets, based on what they think policymakers are going to do. It is perfectly rational for them to do that. But is there a manic belief that somehow this can continue for a while? Oh, absolutely. Nobody wants to believe that, that you know, that this could be over soon. They never do, right? That, that, that's, and, you know, expectations get so high in, in the mania, and then when all of a sudden, you know, they, they go, you know, in the market, they go from thinking, okay, since policymakers have this all under control to say, oh, my God, they don't have it under control, that's when you have a crisis. I remember 1998, if you're in the marketplace with the West will never, ever allow Russia to collapse. It will never, never allow it. Well, that was exactly the psychology that led to all the leverage that led to the collapse in Russia and long-term capital management. And then, right, we would never allow a housing market downturn. Never, right? Policymakers would never. And now it is policymakers will not allow a recession. They will not allow risk-off. They will not allow even a typical downturn in the market. Because any downturn is met immediately with with more measures to to uh, inflate the markets. What do you? And I know we all need crystal balls. What do you expect to see, or, or a change, or or something that takes us to the next step, or or, or people always looking for these signs uh, to see where we're at? We know where we're headed, but how close are we? I mean. For this bubble to burst. Let's yeah, that, that's, that's great. Uh, another tough question, but uh, we can look to China. China, as an analyst of credit, I I'm in awe of what's unfolded in China, uh, and there are serious cracks in the Chinese credit system. 
extraordinary policy measures to try to keep their system going. They actually expanded credit a trillion dollars during the first quarter alone in China, which is a number unlike anything seen in human history. So China is a potential catalyst for major financial problems. At the same time, we'll look at Europe. Europe was almost un unwinding in 2012. In the summer of 2012, there was a crisis of confidence in Spanish debt, Italian debt. There was fears for the Italian banking system, for Italian uh, sovereign debt, which could have easily led to a crisis of confidence in the European banking system and in the euro. And that's when we had whatever it takes. Well, Brexit now is one step forward towards the disintegration of Europe. Uh, Italy's in the spotlight again. Italy has terrible bank problems, terrible bank problems. Um, Europe banks are significantly impaired. Uh, so Europe is a, is a fault line globally. Uh, the hedge fund industry and, and all the leverage, I think, is a fault line. So there are fault lines out there. But at the same time, policymakers are in this whatever-it-takes mode, aggressive, uh, I call it just crisis management. I think it's crisis postponement, but we're talking, we're, we're agreeing, basically. Um, is there, you, you mentioned strong gold and precious metals in part on uh, your section on historic collapse of sovereign yields and current market environment. Is there a strong relationship between bubbles and the price of gold, and is that relationship, if it exists, direct or just coincidental? Well, I'm going to borrow some analysis from Jim Grant because I, I think he's so good on this, where he talks about, you know, the value of gold is inversely related to the confidence in central bankers. Mm -hmm. So that works has worked very well for the last few years because when the bubble was inflating, there was confidence in the central bankers, and you have a collapse, right, in, in the precious metals. And over the past year, something different has happened, right? Something, something markedly has happened. And I don't think it's a coincidence that gold prices are going up at the same time the prices of sovereign debt are going up because both are indicating increasing lack of confidence in central bankers, their ability to perpetuate the bubble. So I, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, I think gold is a very important, and silver also, precious metal, very important signal that this game is, is in the very late innings. We've got about 40 seconds left. We're also in the late innings. Do you think that gold is a way of protecting people or at least mitigating the harm of bubbles? Can they be protected by gold or is gold not so relevant? Well, I, I certainly... Uh, We'll continue to plan on using gold uh, to protect uh, the wealth of my family, for, for, my, for my kids and hopefully my grandkids. So I, I'm, a, I'm a big believer. There's a lot of volatility there, but I, I'm a big long-term believer in gold as a store of value in, a, in an age where there'll be a less confidence in financial assets. All right, Doug, we have to say thank you. Thank Doug. you. Um, I'm Alfred Addis here with Melody Cedars. From our guest has been Doug Noland from CreditBubbleBulletin.blog. Thanks very much for being on the program, Doug, and we look forward to talking to you again. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. We will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, the good Lord bless you, me, Melody, and Doug Nolan. Bye-bye. I work all night. I work all day to pay the bills I have to pay. Never 
seems to be a single penny left for me. religious and medical views presented on various shows heard on American Voice Radio Network are not necessarily the views held by the management of American Voice Radio and are not presented as an endorsement by this network. All statements heard on American Voice Radio are the sole responsibility and opinion of those who speak the particular statement. that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, and dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare, while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Boys Radio. What an expert says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold 
standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides, or lead. You get nothing but H2O, maximum health. Dr. Robert D. Willis Jr., MD. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99 postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's superstore.theamericanvoice.com. Order now. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Fighting soldiers from the sky Fearless men who jump and die Men who mean just what they say The brave men of the Green Beret Welcome to Thursday, American Voice Radio. Program is Freedom Call. My name is Bo Greitz. The way to communicate uh, with me best is through Al Gore's Internet. Uh, just uh, pick up the Internet, and uh, my email address is B-O-G-R-I-T-Z, Bo Greitz, at MSN stands for Microsoft Network dot com. And I every day I get about three hundred emails and I appreciate your interest. I appreciate you listening to the program and uh, telling me what you think about the things that I report on or things that you discover that you think I should report on. First a reminder that uh, tonight 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. out here in the West uh, is the Republican debate. Now, normally, I wouldn't give a hill of beans about uh, a bunch of politicians meeting and debating, but this is the first Republican debate. There are, unfortunately, uh, only five people who have qualified to be on the debate. To qualify, you must have at least uh, notified the Federal Election uh, Commission that uh, you intend to be a candidate, a Republican candidate for President of the United States in the 2012 election. 
Obama, being the president, has already announced uh, that uh, he is running a second term and that he is uh, intending to raise a billion dollars. Sort of an interesting approach, I guess, to buying the presidency. Anyway, uh, there is one speaker that I would say you shouldn't miss, and the one reason why you should uh, tune in to Fox excuse me, Fox Network uh, tonight, again, 9 o'clock uh, on the East Coast, uh, 6 p.m. on the West Coast, and that is because of Ron Paul. Ron Paul won almost all of the uh, broadcast debates that had some kind of a polling system where you could vote for the candidate you thought best expressed themselves and knew what they were doing and had solutions. Uh, Ron Paul won them all, but yet Ron Paul didn't even wasn't even mentioned as a Republican candidate because the GOP uh, party, uh, they want to pick the Republican candidate. I think that they have much more at stake than just providing America with the best Republican that they have. And it's pretty obvious since uh, McCain ended up, and McCain uh, might very well be uh, the one man who could not beat Obama in the last election. So, and uh, and they just, they wouldn't even uh, consider. They laughed at, they slammed the door on, they wouldn't let him at the final uh, GOP uh, party uh, candidacy where they announced their pick as John McCain. But Ron Paul is the only candidate that in the last election actually expressed real reasons and a real platform with factual planks that could balance the budget of the United States, and who made sense concerning uh, our national defense and our overseas agenda. Now, tonight, along with Ron Paul, will be Herman Cain, uh, who uh, is Godfather Pizza President and was the Vice President of Burger King. A lot of experience uh, there. And also appearing uh, in the debate against uh, Ron Paul is Rick Santorium, who is a former senator. Uh, he is uh, with uh, Tim Palente, who was a former governor of Minnesota. Gary Johnson, who's a former governor of New Mexico. But it's worth the listening to for Ron Paul. Now, by the way, others that uh, you will be hearing from uh, is the likes of uh, Mitt Romney, Mike Huckabee, Donald Trump, Sarah Palin, Newt Gingrich, Michelle Bachman, and uh, Mitch Daniels. And so, uh, but they aren't eligible. Fox is putting this on. I think Fox uh, thought that there would be 
more Republican candidate participation. But these other guys are being pretty cagey, even though they are making speeches and hanging around uh, New Hampshire and Iowa, places where they have uh, early uh, primaries. Also, uh, interestingly enough, they had a poll that they took yesterday. 58%, now see, I think this is Fox took this poll, and I don't think uh, that uh, Fox is a uh, supporter. Uh, They may have to endure the Tea Party, but for example, their poll said that 58% of the people uh, said they would never vote for Sarah Palin, ever, under any circumstance. 58% said they'd never vote for Donald Trump. 42% said that they would never, ever vote for Newt Gingrich. 32% said they'd never vote for Mike Huckabee. And Mitt Romney, uh, 26, he actually turned out to be the winner. uh, one quarter of the Republicans uh, that were surveyed said they would never, no matter what, uh, vote for Mitt Romney. Now, already, uh, we know four days ago on May Day, uh, we heard the president announce that Osama bin Laden uh, had been killed by a special ops raiding team that uh, 40 men by helicopter insertion. One of the helicopters uh, ran into a problem and uh, crashed and was burned right there at the compound, which is just north uh, of Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan. Now it has been uh, proven by uh, interrogation of the family members, and I'll get to that in just a moment, identifying them, that they had actually uh, lived there in that compound with Osama bin Laden uh, for uh, five years. And the compound is a short distance from uh, the West Point of Pakistan. There are three regiments of soldiers there, plus an intelligence headquarters. And so the fact is that Pakistan uh, knew very well that uh, Osama bin Laden had taken up residence there. But I've already explained to you, to them, Muslims, which the Pakis are, and many Pakistani fought with the Mujahideen, with the freedom-fighting Afghans, against the godless Soviet Union. These are all blood brothers of a war that a group, you know, kind of uh, like today is Cinco de Mayo. And if you'll remember at Puebla, you've got a ragtag bunch of Mexicans that take on invading French forces, and (laughs) ta-da, the Mexicans win. And so uh, this is the most celebrated, even though the Mexican independence is uh, like September 16th. Nevertheless, that was like 1810, and that's when Mexico was breaking away from Spain. 
This was Europe, and do you know something? And all of this of Puebla happened like 1862. What was America doing? We were right in the middle of the war between the states. But uh, the Mexican president and the United States president, who was Abraham Lincoln, and that's why they have a statue of Abraham Lincoln in Tijuana, because uh, Mexican independence, even though uh, the European forces, primarily the French, occupied Mexico, ruled over it until like 1867. We'll see the, the war between the states was over in 1865, so the United States could start helping uh, the Mexicans. And, uh, but it was a mutual concern because had the French successfully uh, made themselves a firm uh, base in Mexico, they could have come right on up and uh, invaded the United States and made inroads into what now is our Southwest. So, uh, for that reason, Cinco de Mayo, I'll get to that a little bit later. Let's leap back to Afghanistan, because when the raiding team uh, flew out, uh, it took uh, two bodies. They took uh, the body of Osama bin Laden. They wanted to DNA test it. They also took the body of Osama bin Laden's son who they killed. Now, they killed a lot of other people, but they only took uh, those two bodies, and uh, they took them back to their base in Afghanistan, and after the DNA tests confirmed that it was Osama bin Laden, then they uh, put the body aboard the USS Carl Vinson, and uh, that a large aircraft carrier steamed out into the North Arabian Sea and they disposed overboard of the remains of Osama bin Laden. And already now, then the reason they did that, and I can understand it, but see, the thing I can't understand is all of the talk about it. I mean, all we were hearing was about the royal wedding uh, up until Obama on the 1st of May, May Day, the big communist uh, celebration day, uh, was the royal wedding. Then all of a sudden, now you can't get anything except about uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden. And... Uh, when you do a lot of talking like this, it's going to uh, open up, because this is like a spherical. It isn't 360 degrees. It's 720 degrees. <laughs> and, uh, people with all kind of ideas are uh, critical. They get on radio, television, newspapers. This is the way they get their 15 minutes of fame. And so a lot of Muslims now are very critical that they dumped the uh, body of Osama bin Laden overboard of the USS 
Carl Vinson, and already Muslims are calling the North Arabian Sea the Martyr's Sea. And so if they would have buried Osama bin Laden, it would, of course, set up an instant pilgrimage. And so I think that the United States did correctly in putting his remains overboard where he will be consumed by hungry creatures of the sea or by just the erosion due to the power and the depth of the sea. But now we have a new name for a rather large body of water, and that is Martyr's Sea. But the uh, DNA tests uh, show, the government says, conclusively that uh, they had the body of Osama bin Laden. And uh, so they have uh, buried him, but he certainly hasn't gone away. Now, the young wife, she was married uh, 10 years ago to Osama bin Laden. She was 17. She comes from Yemen, and uh, her name uh, is, well, she's alive, Amal al-Sada, S-A-D-A-H. She is the one who rushed to intercept the raiders, and they shot her, uh, shot her in the leg, didn't kill her, uh, but uh, they were going to take a lot of the people I'll mention here in just a few minutes uh, away with the raiders in the helicopters that the raiders came in on. There were 40, 4-0 raiders that came in on these uh, new model of the uh, Seahawk, a covert uh, model that now uh, they know makes less sound and uh, a lot of top-secret things that they can tell just by seeing the remains. Because they landed, it was about 1 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. So they were trying to keep these helicopters a secret but the uh, charred remains, because the, the birds, nobody could make sure that it was completely consumed. So the birds show signs of being uh, uh, constructed with stealth in mind, with an extra blade which takes away uh, the typical loud sound of rotary wing aircraft as they're coming in to land. Anyway... This young woman, 27 years old, uh, rushed uh, the raiders. She had nothing, not even uh, a toothpick, and they shot her in the leg and uh, went on. Now, she met the raiders down. Uh, they, as they entered the compound, they you know, had these uh, high-tech uh, new... Uh, seeking helicopters as they uh, soft-roped down the 40 in teams in various locations. The first person they met was a, uh, a guy uh, that was a courier, and he was armed. He's the only one that took a shot at the Raiders. 
uh, they shot and killed him. Then, uh, guns blazing, they went on in the compound, the first level. Uh, they met this young uh, 27-year-old woman and shot her. Uh, they shot a lot of people. Uh, no one, there was no one else that uh, had a firearm or fired around at the Raiders. They just except the first guy that they uh, ran into. And unfortunately, uh, they were going to take all the people they found in the compound, which they probably should have done, and uh, they didn't because the one helicopter uh, went down was destroyed. So they didn't have enough room to get the 40 raiders out, plus the body of Osama bin Laden, the body of his uh, 20-year-old son, and the children, and uh, the, the wives, and this kind of stuff. So, uh, what they did is just left them. Well, now the Pakis came in and have secured the compound, and they have taken Amal al-Shadad, and uh, she, uh, being alive along with Osama bin Laden's daughter, uh, are now testifying, and we want to take custody but the Pakis are angry about our breaking their sovereignty. We didn't tell the Pakis that we were going to land uh, and uh, burn uh, and have a firefight uh, just north of their capital, Islamabad, and they're miffed about it. So they are saying that they are, uh, the little girl is in a hospital. She is doing fine. The daughter, other children, other people that were in the compound are under the protection of the Pakis. They said they will not turn any of them over to the Americans. They won't let the Americans interrogate or talk to them. And they have warned America that uh, their relationship uh, with Pakistan is uh, on very thin ice right now. Now, Osama bin Laden uh, had a total... See, under Islam, you can have four wives. Well, he's uh, had five, uh, but he divorced one. And so he actually has uh, four wives. Uh, the one I just mentioned, uh, he married at 17, he has 20 children, and uh, his wife, uh, with about 13 children, uh, were in the compound. Now, uh, President Obama was at Ground Zero today. Former President uh, Minnie Mee Bush uh, did not agree he was invited, but he didn't go with Obama. And so some people are criticizing uh, Bush uh, for not uh, doing that. 3% of America, a poll says, still think that despite all that Obama has done, that he was born somewhere outside of what is considered to be America. Meaning that he is illegally in the White House. Now, it is interesting that Pakistan has warned 
America not to violate its borders again. And what really makes it interesting is that the number two person in al-Qaeda, which was Osama bin Laden's organization, it means the base in Arabic, that uh, al-Waziri, who is number two, can now slip into Pakistan, and the Pakis have said, don't you ever do this again. We're warning you. The relationship with the United States is very tenuous right now. So it may make a perfect uh, safe zone for al-Qaeda's new leader. All right, now some other things that are happening that you should know about. Uh, One, the Mississippi River is setting records of high tide. Actually, they're in the tide, I guess, on the Mississippi, not way up uh, by uh, Memphis and this kind of thing. But there are 11 states that are affected. And what's happening, levees are being threatened. The Corps of Engineers, U.S. Army, has blown some levees to save some towns in Illinois, uh, but it has caused the flooding and erosion and damaging of, uh, and and it's not going to be dry for months, uh, farmland in Missouri. So there are record-setting floods uh, in 11 states, Tennessee, Arkansas included. So friends, Uh, Some strange weather phenomenon. By the way, oil is very interesting. The price of oil has dropped below $100 a 40-gallon barrel. And the demand for oil is dropping as people are uh, unable to buy fuel and pay these uh, gouging, outrageous prices. Interestingly enough, the prices of gasoline continue to go up. (laughs) The demand is down. The cost of crude is down. But the price at the pump. So uh, Obama, I know he's taking quite a break uh, uh, with this Uh, business with uh, Osama bin Laden. But he needs to uh, get his uh, justice staff focused on gouging. Otherwise, uh, you're going to begin, I think, to see uh, evidence of violence. Some people may try to blame it on the Muslims, but it'll be because Americans are sick and tired of Exxon, S.O., making all-time skyrocket profits, uh, billions and billions and billions of dollars in just the first quarter. All right, guys, we're going to take a little bit of a break. we got some interesting news uh, coming up for you. So stay with American Voice Radio Freedom Call. Just a few minutes, we'll be right back.
Can your family survive a food shortage lasting two weeks, six months, or maybe longer? Sound far-fetched? We live in precarious times. There is an ever-increasing possibility of food shortages caused by terrorist attacks, natural disasters, truck strikes, or monetary collapse. You owe it to yourself and family to prepare, and you can by getting a supply of our long-storing, freeze-dried, dehydrated foods. Our foods are time-tested to store for decades, require a minimum of time and energy to prepare while maintaining superior nutritional value, freshness, and taste. Our foods were designed for the space program and are in constant use today by our own nuclear submarine service. Contact the Freeze Dry Guy today at freezedryguy at lancet.com. That's freezedryguy at l-a-n-s-e-t.com or call 530-265-8333. 530-265-8333. And let them know you heard it on American Voice Radio. What makes deep sea salt from France so different? Up from the ocean depths in the south of France flow undersea rivers of pristine sea water. At high tide, the prepared salt ponds are filled with this water. Over spring and summer, processed only by ocean breezes and sunshine, the brine thickens and salt crystals float to the top. These are harvested with nets and deposited on wooden drainage flats to dry. The salt is then gathered up, packaged, and shipped around the world. This salt is much more than a box of lifeless sodium chloride. Soldiers worth their salt were once paid with this valuable commodity. It contains 78 to 84 balancing elements. This is living salt, and once you have tasted it, you will never go back to anything else. I've seen this salt in gourmet shops for $30 a pound. Get it now at 4spectrum.us for under $8 a pound. Order 10 pounds and enter the coupon code AVRSALT at checkout and save $20. Ships free to your door or call 800-581-8906. Order today. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one four. $49.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. What an expert says about distilled water. If you decide on bottled water, make sure it's distilled. However, in the long run, you'll save money if you clean your water at home. It's more convenient than hauling gallon jugs from the store. The gold standard for purifying your water is a system that distills your water and filters it. You have the comfort of knowing there is no chlorine, fluoride, bacteria, viruses, pesticides, or lead. You get nothing but H2O, maximum health. Dr. Robert D. Willis, Jr., M.D. Order your tabletop water distiller for $139.99 postpaid. It comes with everything you need to get pure distilled water. Go to superstore.theamericanvoice.com. That's 
Superstore.TheAmericanVoice.com. Order now. American Voice Radio Network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Welcome back to a Freedom Call on American Voice Radio. We uh, let's put a, a cork in the reporting uh, concerning the raiders uh, there in Islamabad that uh, killed Osama bin Laden. The uh, one thing I think that is important to realize is that Washington D.C. cannot be depended upon. You have uh, the President's uh, National Security Advisor, Brennan, and he cannot get the story straight. First of all, he says that uh, Osama bin Laden is uh, firing uh, an AK-47 and uh, battling it out with the Raiders. And then, uh, no, that's not right. Now what we find out is there's only one of the enemy of the al-Qaeda who took a shot, and that was the first guy that uh, the raiders encountered as they were infiltrating uh, by uh, vertical, by by helicopter. Uh, And this guy was a courier, and he uh, ran out, and uh, he fired, and they shot him and killed him. Then they killed his son, by the way, of the courier, which was inside uh, the compound. But nobody else had. They found weapons in the compound, but nobody had them. Nobody was shooting them except the raiders. And I told you yesterday why I think it's legitimate that the raiders hit the ground uh, with uh, guns blazing. You've got to make sure you have fire superiority. Now, it is very unfortunate and very courageous of uh, the woman, uh, this uh, young 27-year-old Yemeni, she's from Yemen, this wife, uh, who runs toward the raiders trying to protect uh, her husband. And they shoot her. They didn't kill her. And they didn't get her. <laughs> they ran off with the body of Osama bin Laden and the body of his son and boarded the birds and lifted out of there. And uh, they thought, oh, and they knew that they had left all of these people, that the children and other people who were in the compound. Uh, nobody was shooting at them. And uh, so now uh, the Packies have these people, they are protecting them from the Americans who now want to go back and get custody of them. And primarily, I think they want to stop two people from talking. One is Osama bin Laden's 
youngest wife, uh, who was shot, but is all right, shot in the calf, and secondly, is his daughter, who says that uh, her father uh, did not resist. Now, Leon Panetta, a director of Central Intelligence, he has said, well, uh, it's true, Osama bin Laden did not have a firearm. But you can resist in other ways. And so uh, the Raiders chose uh, to shoot and kill him unarmed. Well, uh, the daughter says that uh, he was taken captive and then he was killed. Uh, One thing that uh, speaks more toward uh, spontaneously the Raiders burst into the third story, the top of the compound, where Osama bin Laden is uh, with uh, another. There's a woman up there and his daughter. The woman is not being used as a shield, and she is killed. The daughter sees this and says that her dad was captured, and then was shot in the stomach, shot in the head, which is the signature of American special ops. It is called a double tap. And if they come for you, that's what they're going to be aiming for, is they're going to hit you in the largest part of your body, uh, which is center mass, and then they're going to tap you immediately in the head uh, as a kill shot. I don't think they were looking to capture Osama bin Laden. They have gained all this intelligence by picking up computers and hard copy and all kind of stuff they have evacuated from uh, the compound. So they didn't really need to capture him because he would, of course, uh, remain mum. And... uh, Uh, they would have had to have gone through the problem of having a living martyr on their hands, something that they were going to have to do something with quickly. It doesn't seem like our justice system moves quick at all. This was a raid to kill Osama bin Laden. That's why they killed everybody that uh, stood in their way, And uh, when they burst into the top uh, compartment of the compound, there uh, the woman uh, did try to shield uh, Obama, uh, Obama, Osama bin Laden, and uh, uh, was in the way of the fire. And so he is clear now. And uh, remember, all of this, a lot of this is on. Uh, satellite imagery because the Raiders had cameras attached to them individually. And so you see uh, that you had Biden sitting there with uh, uh, Obama and with the Secretary of State Clinton and with a whole room full of people watching this as it's going down. So very difficult. It seemed like they'd get the story if they just told the truth of it. But I think they were 
very soft, uh, and they're very wimpish when it comes to, yes, we sent 40 commandos in there to kill Osama bin Laden and anybody that got in the way. And when they found Osama bin Laden, they shot him in the chest and in the head. The reason I say so is because you have one of the raiders that uh, once uh, he is down and dead, the raider goes and lays down beside him. Now, all this is on a satellite transmission. And so uh, people are asking, well, why is that raider laying down side by side with Osama bin Laden? One is they want to make sure that's who it is. Osama bin Laden is well above six feet. So they didn't think to bring a measuring tape. He is not now vertical. He is on the floor horizontal. So the raider knew what his height was by laying down. They could compare and said, yes, that's him. Because there's something else, and I've mentioned it to you before. When uh, the life goes out of a person, it's like somebody turns the light off uh, in their eyes. I have looked at, at my soldiers who have been killed in combat to identify them for graves registration. And while I identified them, the truth is I, I didn't realize how much we identify with the eyes and the light and the life that we see there. Because when those eyes are opaque, when they are dull, non-seeing, it changes, for me, the entire uh, recognition of the person. Uh, anyway, let's go on. Uh, there is an interesting uh, trial that has started today. And uh, the trial is of a man named Sandor Kiparo, K-E-P-I-R-O. <laughs> now, this man is 97 years old. He is on trial today in Budapest charged with the murder of 36 Jews in Serbia in 1942. Now, he admits that he was a former officer in the Hungarian gendarmerie, which is a way like, like Costa Rica does not have uh, an army. So they have a gendarmerie. They have a police force that serves as an army. Well, uh, Hungary was actually friendly toward the Nazis. The Germans didn't actually invade Hungary until 
later, but the Hungarian government was on the side uh, of, and I know right now a lot of people are freaking out, but this simply is the way government policy was then. And so, apparently, there was a raid. This guy says he had no idea uh, what the target was, but 36 Jews were killed in Serbia in 1942, and he was a member of the Hungarian gendarmerie. He has pled innocent. Now, the person taking uh, credit for his capture is uh, a man by the name of uh, Frain Zurov, F-R-A-I-M, Ephraim, Ephraim Zurov, Z-U-R-O-F-F. Sounds like he might have been a Russian Jew, huh? Anyway, he's the director now of the Simon Wiesenthal Center in Israel. And, wow, you know, (laughs) Castro uh, made a comment. Dogs shouldn't rejoice over killing a lion. Now, I don't know. (laughs) I think Castro was referring to the United States' jubilation over uh, the shooting death of an unarmed Osama bin Laden. And I'm not somebody that uh, is against. I have shot people. And sometimes they were armed and sometimes a few times they were not. It happens in close combat, in raids. I have made uh, scores of special operation raids. You shoot because there's only a few of you. There are thousands of them. We are raiding their headquarters, and so you have to have fire superiority So you are with guns blazing, and basically anybody that gets in the way catches a bullet. What I'm saying is I understand. That mission was to kill Osama bin Laden. That's what they did. Those people who died at Ground Zero, those people who died at the Pentagon, those people who died on the aircraft that was shot down uh, by F-16s over Pennsylvania, they were innocent. None of them had an opportunity to shoot back. So I'm not looking for to say that uh, it's wrong. What Castro said, I think, would have better been pointed toward uh, Ephraim Zurov and Simon Wiesenthal because you got a guy who is 97 that was a policeman in Serbia in 1942 when the government of Hungary was supporting uh, the Nazi government. And so, anyway, the the trial has started. Now, 
uh, Ephraim Zuroff was sued uh, by Sandor uh, for defamation for Ephraim calling him a Holocaust uh, killer. And the uh, court just yesterday uh, found that Ephraim Zuroff uh, is not to be held liable for lying about Sandor. But the trial didn't start till the day, 97. When, well, and I guess, because what uh, Ephraim Zuroff says, it doesn't make any difference how old. I mean, how old uh, could Osama bin Laden have been, and we would still have uh, hunted him down until finally... We have a 40-man commando a unit that goes in and shoots him dead. But I still uh, like uh, Castro's quote, and it, it sounds very Arabic to me. Dogs shouldn't uh, rejoice over killing a lion. The old uh, lion Castro uh, might be seeing some of himself in some of these other things. Today, by the way, is Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo, a lot of people think, is the Independence Day of Mexico. That is not so. <laughs> the Independence Day of, uh, of Mexico uh, is actually uh, much earlier, meaning 18. Uh, let me get my hedge right. Cinco de Mayo celebrates the battle at a little town named Puebla. <laughs> Let's see if I can spell in Mexican today. P-U-E-B-L-A. Puebla, uh, which is uh, uh, east, let me think, east of Mexico City. And it was May the 5th, today, 1862. As I had said, America was right in the middle of the war between the states. And so they weren't helping Mexico. So the, the peasant army of Mexico lined up at Puebla thinking they were going to be completely overrun. They had a professional army of French uh, soldiers, invaders, and the Mexicans won. And so they have had quite a celebration. Uh, the French did win the war. Uh, they occupied Mexico uh, through 1867. But because uh, uh, America was free in 1865 of the war between the states, uh, they were able to intimidate the French and help Mexico. Now, just some things. When did Cinco de Mayo become very popular? Well, they've been celebrating it since uh, the 5th of May, 1862. <laughs> but it didn't become really popular until about 1960. In the early 60s, college students were looking for reasons uh, to celebrate. And so Cinco de Mayo, Puebla, the victory over the French, and so and they can so they can eat Mexican food. Now remember, 
Independence Day, which people don't seem to celebrate. I actually sponsored a Mexican independence because they were brave people to overthrow Spain uh, back September 16th. 1810. A lot of people don't know that's the Independence Day and from freedom from Spain. Now, one thing that you can do if you want to uh, uh, celebrate Cinco de Mayo is uh, the, the dress, the colors are the colors of the flag. But do you know what the colors of the flag mean to those people back in 1862? Well, red, of course, stands for religion, the blood of Christ, and the blood of the martyrs of those who fought and died. The uh, white is unity and purity, and the green uh, is hope and independence. So it is uh, an, an interesting time. And uh, when we uh, look at it, for example, uh, guess where is the largest celebration for Cinco de Mayo? Mexico City? No. <laughs> But I'm sure there's a lot of people that are drinking uh, tequila uh, in Mexico City. But the largest celebration is in the City of Angels, Los Angeles. Do you know that today, as we speak, Los Angeles, California, is the home of ten and a half million residents of Mexican descent. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you got a lot of Brazilians and Colombians and Costa Ricans. This is Mexican descent, 10.5 million people in the L.A. Valley. And they are whooping it up. So don't go to L.A. today unless you got the right, it's like not wearing green on uh, St. Patrick's Day. But if you have, because uh, I've given you a lot of information on uh, this raid, it is important. But you've got to understand that uh, Pakistan honors Osama bin Laden. You've got to understand that if Muslims could... Uh, religiously, legally drink, they would be toasting Osama bin Laden long ago because, one, he did fight with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Now, Osama bin Laden is a Saudi. And, oh, by the way, the courier that uh, was that the commandos killed first and then they killed his son. He, they were from Kuwait. So a courier means that this guy actually carries uh, direct information. And do you know I've talked to you a lot about the uh, military and intelligence use of 
uh, hypnosis and post-hypnotic suggestion would have been a perfect tool for Osama bin Laden to have passed information uh, to his courier, which could then uh, have uh, made his way uh, to whatever uh, reception point that they planned. They said that uh, from the information they've gathered, that Osama bin Laden was planning other uh, raids, other strikes against America, against the Pakistani, against uh, you know Europe. And these raids, by the way, uh, whether it be individual or whether it see when you look at 9/11, that was a very organized, very large, uh, very purposeful, heavily premeditated, detailed planned to and should have been. Actually, they had information from the Philippines. They had information from several sources. Friends, uh, you have people in the stock market (laughs) that made a ton of money who knew exactly the offices, uh, exactly the aircraft uh, companies, uh, exactly the day. Uh, So there's still a lot of people to be hunted down. All right, please stay with American Voice Radio, will you? And uh, you'll pick up anything that uh, I've dropped between the cracks today. America's best 100 men will test today, but only three win the Green Beret. Train to live off nature's land. Trained in combat, hand to hand. Men who fight by night and day. Courage takes. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one of four. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. 
These are men, women, and children who once had homes, now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to Wichita Homeless. Or simply call 316-619-4886. Order Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License. Be Your Own Doctor for only $14.95 plus $2 postage and handling. Call Doc Mike Direct at 708-488-8887 or go to wakeupwell.org. That's wakeupwell.org to order Doc Mike's book, How to Practice Medicine Without a License. Be your own doctor for only $14.95 plus $2 postage and handling or call 708-488-8887. That's 708-488-8887. Order now. to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I am your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, constitutional counselor, and still all-around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs all over. Today is Labor Day 2014, otherwise known as September 1st, 2014. This is a live show, and it's a live call-in show. Uh, Calling in is not necessary. Thinking, however, is, of course, we do give that exemption to Media Matters for America and the Southern Poverty Law Center, as well as those government agents that even on Labor Day are listening in and recording this show. We've proven that they do. We have the proof that they do. They have admitted it. Um, So we give them an exemption, my friends. For those of you that are new to this show, we give them them an exemption because if we require them to think, that would create a hostile work environment. (laughs) 
if you follow my drift. <laughs> if you'd like to call in, it's real simple. You go to www.theamericanvoice.com, find the appropriate number for your situation and use it, or you may send an instant message directly to your host using Yahoo Instant Messenger with the same ID that we've had on this show for the over 10 years we've been on this network, KC7AQK, and those come directly to me. As is our want, my friends, we like to open the show with the wisdom of the ages, otherwise known as the dead white guy quote. And since this is Labor Day, well, here's something worthwhile to labor for. Quote, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. End quote. Ronald Reagan. We have 23 pages in our show newsletter today. Your calls, instant messages, and whatever else happens to come across the transom. And we'll get to as much of it as possible right after this little disclaimer. Warning, this show may be hazardous to your paradigms if you are a whiny, crying, liberal, pinko, commie bedwetter, an inept, overpaid bureaucrat, or are still mad over Reagan's tax cut. Should you fit into any one of the above categories, immediately have your friends tie you down for some truth therapy. Continue this therapy until you can dismiss your delusions and can deal with reality. If you cannot handle 100% pure, unadulterated truth, this radio show will not not be held responsible for your predictable discomfort. Remember, my friends, my job is to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable, and I can do it the same way you can do it. Or actually, I said that bass backwards. You can do it the same way I do it, and that's by asking questions. The problem is, anymore these days, asking questions can get you in a heck of a lot of trouble, but nonetheless, you can. Okay. This is the first Monday of the month. That means it's time, my friends, once again, for the monthly disclaimer. You know, I have noticed a very disturbing trend, my friends. In the recent past, there have been more and more stories about law-abiding citizens arrested over comments made on Facebook, Blogster, MySpace, and other social networking sites. These stories are all here in the United States. 
mostly, and center around police arresting people for making threatening comments. And then, of course, they are found with, quote-unquote, large stashes of weapons, including knives and armor-piercing ammunition. It's amazing how the narrative is always the same, my friends. Well, we are now facing even more thought crimes, which means that I need to, once again, make it perfectly clear. And I guess with this uptick in crime-think police state tactics, I need to make this disclaimer, which applies to everything I've said or done from the beginning of time until such time as I tell you otherwise, and here it goes. Your host, M. Roy Ben Shadler, is in no way threatening any kind of physical, mental, or emotional harm, i.e. a thought crime to any elected politician or bureau rat. And if you as a politician or bureau rat feel that I have been, well, then that feeling is based purely upon the limited functioning of your own depraved and shoe-sized IQ mind. If you feel threatened by the likes of a harmless political commentator like me, then you really need to get out of the leech business and do something productive, say mowing lawns or painting over graffiti or offering yourselves a live target to DHS so they can become less queasy over shooting Americans. Now, for those of you who say that what I just said is an example of thought crime in and of itself, no, it's political speech and satire, unfortunately. Due to the totalitarian nature of the Orwellian world we now live in with double speaking, sock double think, and things like Homeland Security, which is taken right from the Nazi Germany Homeland Department, the satire I do is becoming not because of anything I am saying or doing, but by the actions of a more aggressive and totalitarian ministry of love that locks up people because of perceived threats. The very thing I started out as satire years ago is now the new thought crime. Welcome, my friends, to the new reality. Big Brother is here. Cult of Personality is here. Ingsoc is here. Prism is here. Metadata is here. NSA's X key score is here. Is it any wonder I close the show each week the way I do? Now, if any of this has been confusing or the terms unfamiliar to you or the meaning behind what I'm saying feels obscure then at the very least, read the Wikipedia page on 1984, or better yet, read the book itself. Until these terms and meanings become familiar to you, I give you a warning. Becoming familiar with them will, if you truly deeply understand these terms and concepts, will prevent the last sentence of the book from happening to you like it's happened to far too many of our fellow man. Now, the Constitutional Crusader, that would be me, holds the belief that some truths are self-evident. Therefore, in alliance with the American Voice Radio Network, which you are listening to this show over, our benevolent government has become the following. Quote, the U.S. federal government is the enemy of every living thing on this planet. It doesn't matter if you are a tree in the Amazon rainforest, a bug crawling through the desert, or an American citizen. The U.S. federal government is an enemy to every living thing on the earth, end quote. 
There. Roll that up in your pipe and smoke it, you federal agents and from Media Matters and the Southern Poverty Law Center, because that is the truth. Now, <clears throat> why am I saying things like that? Well, because... Well, it's the first Monday of the month, and because it's the first Monday of the month, I tend to pull aside things that are very, very pertinent to this first Monday of the month. And what I just talked about, the very first thing on the hit parade is right up that alley. Headline, did this teacher's novel cause the craziest police overreaction ever? Hmm. I'll let you decide. A Dorchester County, Maryland teacher was taken in. Get this, my friends. Here in America, a teacher was taken in for a, quote, emergency medical evaluation, suspended from his job, and barred from setting foot on another public school. Why? Authorities searched his school, the Mace Lane Middle School in Cambridge, for weapons. And as classes resumed, parents worried that their children were in danger, so police decided to remain on the premises to watch over them. Well, what happened? Well, the teacher, Patrick McLaw, published, are you ready for this? Are you, re are you really ready for this? Here we go. Here is the dastardly deed that this teacher did that caused an entire lockdown search, taking him in into an involuntary psychiatric exam. This is what he did. Are you ready? He published a fiction novel. Mm-hmm under a pen name to boot. It's about a made-up school shooting set in the year 2902. Now, if you're having trouble figuring out which part of this is criminal or negligent or even inappropriate, well, you're not alone. WBOC reports, quote, Early last year, the school board was alerted that one of its 8th grade language arts teacher at Mace Lane Middle School had several aliases. Police said that under those names, he wrote two fictional books about the largest school shooting in the country's history set in the future. Now, Patrick Malay is <clears throat> placed on leave. Dr. K.S. Voltar is better known by some in Dorchester County as Patrick McLeay or even Patrick Beale. Not only was he a teacher at Mace Lane Middle School in Cambridge, but according to Dorchester Sheriff James Phillips, McLaw was also the author of two books, The Insurrectionist and its, ins and its sequel, Lilith's Heir. These books are what caught the attention of police and school board officials in Dorchester County. The insurrectionist is about two school shootings set in the future, the largest in the country's history. Phillips 
said McLaw was taken in for an emergency medical evaluation. The sheriff would not disclose where McLaw is now, but he did say that he is not on the eastern shore. Get that, my friends. It wasn't good enough to take him in for a medical evaluation, but he's sent to parts unknown, my friends, with no one saying where he's gone. Disappeared, my friends. Mm -hmm. The same day that McLaw was taken for an evaluation, the police swept Mace Lane's middle school for bombs and guns coming up empty. Okay. We have our first instant message of the day. And you can too, Yahoo Instant Messenger, IDKC7AQK, D in Oregon, <clears throat> a fairly regular uh, commenter here. She writes and says, I would bet the medical eval, quotes around the words, is a psych one. I think you're right, D. And the fact that it's being done at some black site just makes me wonder even more. Anyway, back to the story here. They came up empty on this bomb threat, okay? But coming up empty did not stop the authorities from punishing McLaw. Dorchester County Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Henry Wagner, said the Dorchester County Board of Education has now taken its own action. Quote, We have advised our community that the gentleman has been placed on administrative leave and has been prohibited from entering any Dorchester County Public School property, Wagner said. Now, since using a pen name and publishing a novel are not even remotely sinister actions, it seems the trouble must center around his depiction of a school shooting 900 years from now. But that's not really grounds for dismissal or a police investigation either. Plenty of writers use what they know as a jumping off point. And McLaw landed very far from anything resembling real life intention. Authorities also searched his home and found nothing. They haven't charged him or booked him. And for now, they won't even divulge his current location. Now, this is a weird story. And we don't know everything. Perhaps the police are withholding a crucial detail that would justify the extreme measures taken against a 23-year-old teacher for writing a book. If the local reporters in this video know what's really going on, they certainly aren't sharing. Though they seem mildly relieved that this threat was taken care of, if you can even call an obviously imaginary occurrence 888 years in the future a threat. Now, the author of this story says that he's reaching out to the school district and sheriff's department for more information and will post an update when he knows more. But for now... Neither the district nor the sheriff's department have released any evidence that McLaw did anything at all. Mm -hmm. You see, there's a reason, my friends. I do that monthly disclaimer like I do, because it's exactly for reasons like that. It looks like we have another instant message. Hang on, let me check this blinking yellow light. Um... Uh, (laughs) Um, For those of you who are not familiar, 
Ray Bradbury wrote a book entitled Fahrenheit 451. 451 is the temperature in Fahrenheit that paper will spontaneously combust when it reaches that. So D is evidently asking a follow-up question, asking, is Fahrenheit 451 arriving? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Okay. On to other things. The New York Times has censored the anti-ISIS ad. The Institute, what do they call themselves? They call themselves, hang on, let me find it. It's, a, it's actually at the end of the article, so let me go all the way to the end, sorry. Um, da, 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 da. It's the, the Institute. Dang, damn it, what is they called? Oh, there we go. This World, the Values Network. That's what they call themselves. And they, Breitbart.com reveals here that This World uh, Institute is being censored by the New York Times. Why? Well, <clears throat> quote, America reinforces its values and thus its security by being transparent about even the worst abuses of those values, not by hiding the evidence deep in a file drawer, end quote. Now, who said that? Well, that sentence was from a New York Times editorial on the 30th of August this year. The editorial was written in response to a decision by Federal District Court Judge Alvin Hellerstein forcing the Obama administration to justify why it will not release approximately 2,000 photos that allegedly document abuse by the American military and investigators in Iraq and Afghanistan, which begs the question, why the New York Times forced the anti-ISIS ad to remove a photograph of a hooded ISIS executioner holding a knife while standing by American journalist James Foley. Hmm. If they are forced to remove the photograph and replace it with one without a knife in order to have the ad appear in tomorrow's New York Times... Well, then why did the Times condemn the American government from trying to suppress images of alleged abuse on the part of American military while seeking to suppress the horrors of the world's most monstrous terrorist organization, which decapitates Americans? But, but my friends, even better is that was a whole lot what the Times did was a whole lot better than what the Los Angeles Times did that demanded the removal also of a second image, which depicted Hamas terrorists standing alongside hooded collaborators, which they were about to execute. The Telegraph in London demanded the same in order for the ad to be published, even the Wall Street Journal demanded the picture with the knife be replaced. The only publication that accepted the ad, as is, was the Washington Post, which you can find it in the Washington Post tomorrow, my friends. 
strangest of all was the L.A. Times, which first told us that they could not use either image and they would have to be replaced, only later to tell us that they would publish that if the images were reduced by two-thirds. Now, the people doing this found all these demands to be mystifying. The New York Times will publish the most awful Abu Ghraib photos, as they should, but will not publish a picture of an ISIS terrorist holding a knife standing alongside an American. The Wall Street Journal, whose excellent editorial page has been consistently supportive of Israel and has advocated strong military action against ISIS, also objected to the image. The purpose of this ad was to demonstrate the symmetry between the two terrorist organizations, ISIS and Hamas, both of which are bloodthirsty death cults that glorify their public executions of innocent individuals. My friends, this article goes on explaining more and more about why the, these ads are important and includes a link for the actual uncensored ad, which I strongly recommend you read, which is a op- essentially an open letter to the current um, UN Secretary General um, about, you know, why are you allowing these sort of things to go on? And interesting. I suggest strongly that you get the show newsletter here and get the uh, link here and follow it and read the whole thing. Now, switching gears ever so slightly, let's talk about priorities, shall we? You can always tell what a person's agenda is if you follow what they do. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, see Sun Tzu's The Art of War for more information. First story. Now remember, we're, we're looking at a pattern here, so stick with me. First story. The White House's contrasting responses to Michael Brown and the James Foley funerals. Memorial services were held Sunday in Rochester, New Hampshire, to that would be a week ago yesterday, that is, to remember American journalist James Foley, who was brutally beheaded by an ISIS terrorist, CNS News reports. The memorial mass for James Foley took place Sunday at Our Lady of the Holy Rosary in Foley's hometown. Connie Hammond, An administrative assistant at Holy Rosary told CNS News that no White House officials were in attendance. Quote, there was nobody that represented the White House, Hammond said, adding that all all the dignitaries in attendance called ahead except for one and that all of them sat together. New Hampshire Governor Maggie Hansen was in attendance, along with three other Granite State politicians. While the White House didn't make time to send any staffers to Foley's memorial service, it did make time to send three of its officials to the service of Michael Brown, who was shot and killed by a Ferguson, Missouri police officer. The deaths of James Foley and Michael Brown are both tragedies, and there's nothing wrong with the Obama administration sending aides to pay condolences at Michael Brown's funeral, but 
Many felt that the White House should have sent officials to Foley's funeral as well. Now, there are several tweets in regards to this from various agencies, which you can see by going and looking at the original article. Both Brown and Foley's cases highlight issues that are sensitive for all Americans. They each deserve the nation's attention. And I agree. Now, second story. Remember, we're looking for patterns here, okay? Guess who was missing at a funeral of highest-ranking officer killed in combat since Vietnam? NBC News reports. U.S. Army Major General Harold Green was buried today at Arlington National Cemetery with full military honors, including a caisson, two escort platoons, casket team, firing party, colors team, and a comparonized horse. The U.S. Army band, Pershing's own, played softly as the funeral procession made its way down the long hill past the rows of simple white gravestones to bring General Green to his final resting place. The graveside service began with a few words, following by a 13-gun salute. The Major General's widow, Dr. Susan Myers, was seated in the front row. To her right was their son, First Lieutenant Matthew Green, his daughter, Amelia Green, followed by Major General Green's father, also Harold Green. After a three-rifle volley and playing of taps, the American flag, once placed on the Major General's casket, was carefully folded as the band played America the Beautiful. U.S. Army Chief of Staff General Ray Ordino presented the flag to his widow, and additional flags to his children and father. General Green, age 55, became the highest-ranking military fatality in the war in Afghanistan after an Afghan military police officer opened fire on August 5, 2014. Now, while Chuck Hagel attended this funeral, B.O. was too busy playing golf on Martha's Vineyard to attend. Okay? That's that's it, my friends. You're listening to the Constitutional Crusader Show on the American Voice Radio Network. Don't you go anywhere. We will be right back. shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
pandemics will be a part of our future. The question is, how do we protect ourselves? Are you willing to put your trust in untested vaccine, hoping it kills mutating viruses? Remember, in 1976, health officials tried to inoculate Americans with swine flu, and there was a 300% death rate for those inoculated, and millions were paid out in damages. God gave you a sophisticated immune system, and in times of need, you can make it 10 times stronger. So there's no need to panic. Just get prepared. Call Apothecary Herbs to order your upgraded pandemic kit. You will have eight professional strength formulas offering broad-spectrum immune-boosting protection. Take a stand. Have a plan. Have peace and request your pandemic kit today. Call Apothecary Herbs toll-free, 866-229-3663, or online, thepowerherbs.com. That's 866-229-3663, or thepowerherbs.com. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971 when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Welcome back to the Constitutional Crusaders show on the American Voice Radio Network. I'm your host, M. Roy Ben Shedler, constitutional counselor and still all around pain in the rear end to bureaucrats and petty thugs. And I appreciate uh, being able to get the punchline in there just at the end of the last half hour. My friends, it has occurred to me during the break, uh, reading some other instant messages that came in and such, that it's been far too long since I've explained why I say constitutional counselor. So very briefly, my friends, this is why. Because the first time I was called that, see, I did not take this title on myself. I did not anoint myself with this title. This was what was called of me by three of the justices on the Oregon State Supreme Court when I was hearing a presiding over a case, presenting over a case regarding a man who was being held illegally in the state mental hospital, and I was doing a habeas corpus action over him. They called me a constitutional counselor. Since then, Supreme Court justices in Idaho and Washington have similarly called me a constitutional counselor because evidently these justices talk to each other. And they, uh, uh, the other justices in Idaho and Washington said that they knew who I was and um, evidently that word had gotten around. 
Okay. Another reason why I'm called that is because of my ability to see patterns and expose them for what they are. Now, I told you two stories to show a pattern. Now let's wrap it up with a bow, shall we? Back to that Michael Brown incident in Ferguson, Missouri. Have you heard about this? If you've only been getting your <clears throat> news from the lamestream media, you probably have not heard about this. That's why we're the new media, and we're here to let you know that Mike Brown was a gang member and a murderer. Did you know about this? You see, many are determined to get to the bottom of the Mike Brown case, despite, despite minds already being made up, as few still struggle to uncover the truths that come few and far between amidst that, that all this story about Mike Brown, well, one journalist is claiming that his lawsuit could prove Mike Brown to be a member of a gang member and even a murder suspect. Editor-in-chief of Got News, Charles Johnson, announced just over a week ago that despite the family's claims that Mike Brown didn't have a criminal record, you know, they depicted him as the gentle giant, yeah, the one gentle giant who weighed 292 pounds and could pack a wallop with his fist so hard that it would break an adult man's eye socket, mm-hmm, which he did. But that they, they made the claims he didn't have a criminal record. Well, this may not necessarily be true. Stating, Charles Johnson, stating that he had been approached by at least two law enforcement contacts saying Brown did in fact have a sealed juvenile record, he immediately filed suit to have the records released. Releasing even further shocking news, Johnson went on to state that his contacts insisted he was not only a member of the notorious Crip Street Gang, but he also had been charged with second-degree murder. Quote, to find out if these police officers are correct requires seeing Brown's juvenile arrest record, which ought to be freely available given that he is already dead and therefore has no right to privacy remaining. End quote. Johnson later stated, quote, knowing the truth about Brown's past will help us gauge the credibility of his parents and family who have called him a gentle giant, end quote. Johnson's attorney, Jonathan Burns, is all arguing that since the boy is deceased, his records are no longer sealed. The court hearing is set to take place, well, is set to take place on Wednesday, my friends. So we'll have a chance to figure this out, my friends. But I'm giving you a heads up here. And we will await those results. And hopefully that release of those records in which the Brown family have tried so hard to conceal. Now, in the link provided here in the show newsletter, you can read the whole lawsuit. And in the lawsuit, my friends, it talks about how under law, a juvenile's records 
are no longer sealed upon death of that juvenile. That's a matter of law. Yet, why are officials working so hard to keep it sealed? Makes one go, hmm. So there's your pattern, my friends. We have funerals that aren't attended by White House agents that should be attended, and funerals of murderers or, and or Crips gang members that are attended by White House officials. Hmm. And let's not forget B.O. himself saying, if I had a son, he would look like Trayvon Martin. Another thug. Hmm. Are you seeing a pattern develop here, my friends? Okay. Speaking of patterns, you won't believe, actually you would believe if you're a regular listener to this show, what obvious U.S. terror threat the FBI leaves out of its annual assessment. Mm-hmm. Now, these politically correct policies have already allowed Americans to be killed, my friends. Something to think about. You might think that the terror threat from Islamic extremism in the United States would be high on the FBI watch list, the National Threat Assessment, as the Bureau calls it. But remarkably, it is not high on the list. In fact, the threat of attack inside the U.S. from Muslim extremists is not on the list at all. You heard me. According to an article in the Washington Free Beacon, the newly released internal FBI reports, they report, the Washington Free Beacon reports, makes no reference to Islamic terror threats despite last year's Boston Marathon bombing and the 2009 Fort Hood shooting, both carried out by radical Muslim Americans. Instead, the internal FBI intelligence report concluded in its 2013 assessment published this month, well, that would be last month, actually, that the threat of U.S. internal security from extremists is limited to attacks and activities by eight types of domestic extremist movements, none, none motivated by radical Islam. Now, I said eight different types. Yeah, the groups we need to watch out for, says the FBI, include, are you ready? Here's who the FBI says we need to watch. We need to watch anti-government militia groups and white supremacy extremists, along with sovereign citizen nationalists and anarchists. Mm-hmm. Other domestic threat groups outlined by the FBI assessment include violent animal rights and environmentalist extremists, black separatists, as long as it's not the New Black Panthers, anti- and pro-abortion activists, and finally, Puerto Rico or Puerto Rican nationalists. 
The Free Beacon Report points out that Islamic terror groups are not included on the FBI's watch list, despite the fact that they were very specific, violent, fatal attacks by domestic terrorists inspired or motivated by Islamic extremism. The Free Beacon went on to report, saying the report left out all references to the April 2013 bombing of the Boston Marathon, which killed three people and injured some 264 others. Two brothers, Dzorkar and Tamarin Tazarev, were all, who were motivated by Islamic extremist beliefs, carried out the bombings. They learned the techniques for the homemade pressure cooker bombers from an Al-Qaeda-linked magazine. The fact that the FBI leaves terror threats by Islamic radicals off its list draws sharp criticism from law enforcement experts, such as former FBI agent John Guandalo said, quote, it should not surprise anyone who follows the jihadi threats in the United States that the FBI would not even include Islamic terrorism in its assessment of serious threats to the Republic in an official report. He carried on saying, since 9-11, FBI leadership, as well as leaders from the Department of Homeland Security, the State Department, CIA, Pentagon, and the National Security Council relies on easily identifiable jihadis from the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, and elsewhere to advise it on how to deal with domestic extremism, end quote. Patrick Poole, a domestic terrorism expert, also was critical of the report's omission of U.S. Islamic extremism, blaming politically correct policies at the FBI for the problem. He said, quote, at the same time, we have senior members of the BO administration openly saying that it's not a question of if, but when we have a terrorist attack targeting the U.S. by the U.S. by ISIL. We have the FBI point, putting on blinders to make sure that they don't see that threat. Poole concluded by saying, These politically correct policies have already allowed Americans to be killed at Fort Hood and in Boston. End quote. Now, in considering why the FBI would omit Islamic terrorism from its domestic threat list. One must consider who runs the Department of Justice. Yeah, Eric Holder. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you a heads up right now, my friends. You're really, really going to want to stick around for today's law school segment. Because I'm going to do a special to Saul Alinsky. Speaking of Eric Holder, I'm going to do a special to Saul Alinsky. So you're really going to want to make sure you stick around through the law school segment today. Call up your friends, your neighbors, your enemies. Call them up and tell them to tune in too. Because you're really going to want to hear this. Speaking of Eric Holder. Meanwhile... Time Magazine. Let's take a look at Time Magazine, shall we? Revealed 
Time Magazine's Tyrants of the Years. Not much has changed in 100 years at Time Magazine. Quote, it's been in every age that it has been the tyrant, the oppressor, and the exploiter who has wrapped himself in the cloak of patriotism or religion or both to deceive and overawe the people, end quote. Don't know who said that, my friends. It's, un- it's one of those unknown little quotes, but, you know, it really nails the point that evil men have been since day one attempting to deceive the masses into believing that they are good and upright when the fruit they produce through their works is nothing short of evil and destructive. I want you, my friends, to see that this method of deceiving the people is still alive and well among those who have not learned from the past, and Time Magazine is just the propaganda resource to prove the point. Time Magazine has labeled the following people Man of the Year. First one, Adolf Stickelgruber otherwise known by his pen name of Hitler, was declared Time's Man of the Year in 1938. Adolf was a fascist socialist dictator whose dangerous political power grab cost the lives of over 50 million during World War II, 405,399 of whom were American soldiers and 11 million of whom were exterminated through the Holocaust. Next, Joseph Stalin was declared Man of the Year in 1939 and 1942. Stalin was the cruel tyrant of the Soviet Union who was responsible for killing 20 million. That's a way low number, my friends. There's a lot of people out there who have revised that number, saying it's probably closer to 60 million. But anyway, 20. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.